on the Violet TV podcast this week, we are experimenting with minimalist living in The Girl Before on BBC One, catching up with Carrie, Miranda and Charlotte in Just Like That on Sky Atlantic and quaffing elixirs and mutagens like there's no tomorrow with Geralt of Rivia in the long-awaited return of Netflix's The Witcher. And speaking of which, The Witcher himself, Henry Cavill, stopped by the show to talk about... Well, I was actually going to say The Witcher, but actually that's not really true because we mainly talked about <laughs> fancy novels, uh, Warhammer 40,000 and his enormous dog, Cal. But nevertheless, it is well worth a listen. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, the penultimate regular Pilot TV Podcast of 2021, in fact. Uh, but all is well because it is, as we have mentioned, Witcher Week. And that is certainly cause, I would say, for celebration. Um, and joining me as we do this are my two Pilot TV co-hosts, both of whom have been fully immersed in all things Witcher of late, which is exciting. Uh, Yethany of Swindenburg to my <laughs> left here and Boythemir of the Scoyatel here to my right. Uh, although more importantly, you're also, you're not only... Boyd the mirror of the square tell are you you are the birthday Boyd because as we record today Boyd himself (laughs) is celebrating his birthday I am thank you very much thank you for spending it with us I mean, I would say I'm it's a it. pleasure, and I mean, it is a pleasure. <laughs> but I, I mean, I would say I did it out of choice, but you've insisted. I have insisted. Yes. Yes. I mean, basically, like the fascist you are. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. demanded. I've demanded you had come even in though, here. Even though, frankly, mm. listeners, like the whole company is barely like coming to the office anymore. Yes. But we have to troop in yeah. to the studio because James wants well, to. It's so I could show you these lovely screens which yeah, have we the have Pilot the, TV podcast logo on them. This, this, this is worth trawling through Camden on. Absolutely. The freshest week of London. Yeah, to see the logos behind us on the screen. Brilliant. And Boyd, am I right in saying this is not just your birthday, it's your first day it out is. of quarantine as it well? It is my first day out of quarantine. It is, it is a huge, so in fact, <laughs> it's a huge pleasure to be able to wander into, in, even through Camden, oh even through Camden, oh, um, home of, what is that Marvel show film called? The Eternals. Eternals. Eternals yeah. And the, um, the restaurant whose actual name is All You Can Eat for £8.80, which appears in Eternals. Yes, yes, but that yes. is actually the name of the restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I am particularly, I am I am in a, in a very good mood because I can, it, it's quite incredible to not be able to leave your flat for I mean, obviously, everyone everyone knows what it's like because <laughs> yeah, we're all we've all done down. it. We all did it. <laughs> but you feel like extra, like you really can't go anywhere when when your NHS app keeps reminding you yes. you still Stay can't go home. anywhere. Is it like yeah. having one of those ankle tags on? It is like in films. It is a bit. Mm. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. So that's been um boring but i have watched lots of stuff and um and now i'm free yeah to wander around um like free. the witcher himself that's right free to do what you want yeah. any old time exactly um yeah so it's fine that we're here that you've dragged us into the <laughs> it's studio absolutely, it's just it's fine absolutely yeah. fine yeah. yeah it's gonna be even more fine next week when no one is in this building yeah. and yet i'm still well, dragging us into the studio <laughs> are you though i think it adds to the the joie de vivre of doing this podcast God. that's what i think okay yeah maybe i like i like to <laughs> see you in the flesh i like yeah. to pat with direct eye contact I find that uh, that that's yeah. my particular yeah. jam You're right. yeah. uh, speaking of which what have you been watching this week let's start with Yethany of Swindenburg <laughs> I <laughs> took a pound at the Witcher um, I have been took a pound at the Witcher <laughs> that's it, isn't it? if only that had been the song um. <laughs> um, I've been continuing the Yellow Jackets uh, freight mm. train uh, it's a yeah. lot how, it how, how many have you been watching it? I have seen I want to say four I think the four that yeah. I've aired. yeah 
Yeah. Um, Bloody yeah. hell. Yeah, good, isn't it? Same. I was going to say Yellow Jackets as well, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It's fucking incredible, isn't it? I mean, when we first, because I watched the first one for the for the pod, and I was rebuffing the Lost comparisons quite a lot. I was like, I feel like that feels quite unfair because, you know, just because it pivots on on a plane crash. But it is actually starting to wander into Lost territory with the, with the kind of supernatural mm. elements. Only, good God, it's like ramped up on hormones and with girls chopping off men's limbs with axes. Yeah. Like, it's... It's very... <sighs> also, so we should mention, if you haven't watched Yellow Jackets, there's a load of girls that crash in the wilderness, but there are the odd one or two buff boys there as yes. well. One of whom is a bit of a thirst trap, as I believe the kids say. My skin crawl. No, I'm sorry. Was that creepy? But there is a bit where he, where he has a wash in a river and they're all like, they're all like rubbing their thighs. Like, Whoa, look at him. Whoa. It is like if Lost was, yeah, was like 18 Horny rated. Lost. Horny Lost. Horny <laughs> Lost. of violence gory loss I mean because it's a Showtime show yeah, yeah. so it's uh, part of me feels like you know at some point Showtime just went what if we just did loss but with buckets of blood yeah. limbs being cut off as you say yeah. n- naked people bathing and, and yeah. sexual shenanigans this that and the other but fair enough I mean kind of that is a good idea yeah. but I also think I mean so far it's actually maybe better than Lost, isn't it really? I mean, I know obviously TV's come a long way. TV has lost, come a long way. But yeah. I think it's really well done. Well, you get, you yeah. get the impression yeah. they know where it's going. So. It knows where you know. Well, exactly, there is that. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to go on for six seasons of bullshit. No. Um, and yeah, I, I'm absolutely loving it. I think it's so brilliantly done. Like the mm. performances, the, the the way they cast the youngsters and the and the older versions. Yeah. It's yeah. just, yeah. it's really good. Yeah. Christina Ricci is a delight. In yes. Oh, I was just going to say, I love seeing her as not like hot, creepy Christina Ricci, but just straight up <laughs> yes. creepy Christina Ricci. Like yeah. there's, there's just a myriad of stuff going on behind there. She does it so well. And then Juliette Lewis essentially just being oh. Juliette fucking Lewis mm. just boozing and wearing Pixies t-shirts and having an amazing time <laughs> well, we did I don't think did we mention the needle drops on this when we oh, first yeah, the, reviewed the, it no, because the, the 90s music fantastic. is fucking brilliant yeah. and it's not over de- I mean I am sick to the teeth of like <laughs> uh, kind of stranger things sex education needle drops and you know my thing is just please let kids listen to music from their own era but this actually feels very there's a really funny bit where they're they're, they're they're sort of saying a little moment by the graves they've had to dig for their friends and this girl's like she'll never get to listen to Wonderwall again <laughs> it's just like that, that's actually very sweet and fitting yeah. great I feel like that's what you'd say at Terry's funeral <laughs> wow this got dark this got um, dark super quick although let's be honest she would lead in that situation I think post, yeah. post plane crash I'd like, do, do you believe for one second Terry has hasn't already sorted the playlist for her own funeral because she <laughs> clearly has. Um, Christ, I hope she doesn't listen to this. Almost certainly has Oasis on it. Um, and probably L7. But let's move on. Let's move on. Um, Boydie, have you watched the last episode of The Sinner? No, I haven't. I have. Oh, really? Oh. Well, more importantly, do we know? Because like, it's now all aired. So yeah, when, it when's be. it dropping? When's it coming? I haven't heard. I haven't heard either. No. Because we'll obviously want to review that, but fucking I've now Netflix. watched all of that. Yeah, fucking Netflix. Let's just all it out, yeah. Um, it's usually really, really soon after the, the yeah. final episode airs in, in the American... Unless they're waiting until the new year. Probably, they probably are. Christmas I mean, I haven't heard. I think there's a, they're, they're holding a couple of things back. Like, I think it's weird they haven't announced when Bridgerton season two is arriving yet, mm. considering that was Christmas Day last yeah. year. I'm slightly suspicious they're going to drop it without as a surprise on yeah. Christmas. Day it was just, as a Christmas present, as a special Christmas yeah. present. Yeah. yeah. So maybe with maybe for Christmas present for the for the people who like depressing, dark, <laughs> grey, bleak, snowy, yeah, right. wet, damp, yeah. philosophical thrillers um, that it will the, the sinner will, will arrive. Drop on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but 
but I'm not sure if that's true. Um, but I know I'm really jealous that you finished it. Yeah, I've, 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 got, actually, I've actually got three episodes to watch. Oh, you're well behind. Yeah, oh, no, I will watch them. I'm it kind is, of saving them up this, this weekend. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah it's a good one. It, no, it feels actually weirdly bleaker than the... Yeah. I, to, I mean, the first series was probably the bleakest, if I'm honest <laughs> with you. But since then, it feels like the bleakest since that. Like, it's so. very... Yeah. Oof, yeah. It's full on, yeah. Yeah, I, it I, is. I, completely, yeah. Well, I just want to mention Succession because by the time <laughs> this comes out, um, we it will the, the last episode, the finale will have dropped. No one's seen it. Well, we hadn't seen it when we recorded, but we have seen it now. And you'll be pleased to hear we do jump on a little bit later on to talk about the succession finale. Uh, so listen for the whoosh. It'll probably be sometime at the end of news. So it makes more sense of the uh, Jeremy Strong story that we talk about in news as well. There are some minor spoilers here for the penultimate episodes. You haven't seen that. Maybe skip on by a minute or so. And we will mark the finale talk with spoiler warnings as well. So they they did send episode eight, the penultimate yes. episode, yeah. to us, so yes. which we saw in advance, and we didn't spoil it last week. But you know, everyone would have seen it by now. And I, I mean, I, I kept saying the 40th birthday one was the best, mm. yeah. very episode. But actually, having watched this, the penultimate one twice now, yeah, um, the the moments in it are are possibly even better. I swear to God, because you've got because you've got Kendall having that dinner, inviting his yeah. dad over for dinner, Logan yeah. for dinner, which was absolute, which is a classic head to head that the whole series has kind of been leading up to, and that did not yeah. disappoint. Um, with uh, and then with um, Logan leaving him by saying "fuck off, kiddo, kiddo" at the end, <laughs> which is which is a classic, and then the whole dick pic. <laughs> I mean, the dick. Pit. I was going to say, if you saw like yeah. a, a flock of birds just flying out of London at like yeah. eight thirty on Monday night, it's because I was screaming. Yeah. I've heard this: someone so accidentally loud. sends a dick pic to someone. Yes. Is this what happens? Yes. I mean, okay. can we just? Oh, have you not seen it yet? I'm never. He's gonna not going to watch it. He doesn't, oh, he yeah. never gonna watch it. I'm even concerned about this. Yes. <laughs> James cannot watch it because of the excruciation really? factor, and this was the most excruciating scene possibly <laughs> in the history of, the of not only of Succession but of television. Is it so ever seen? Oh God. It's so, like a it's 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 um Dory Culkin's penis. We talk about Bellend. This passes the Bellend test of it's like, so you're it's saying a literal literal Bellend. Bellend wow. Tucked up the side of a boxer's waistband and he sends it to Logan. Mm. Oh the, the He sends like, it to his dad. So he's meant to send it to Jerry, who you know he's had like, this even this you will be this aware. This is from Kieran Culkin. This is from Kieran yeah, Culkin. Kieran Culkin. Sorry, Culkin. Yeah. You're getting your Culkins mixed up. Oh, um, yeah. Um, Roman, Roman, yeah. Roman. Roman. Well, and Kieran Culkin, the real Kieran Culkin, has not sent dick pics to his own <laughs> to, dad. Which made that clear. Also, Brian Cox. Yeah. So, in case yeah. the lawyers are listening, but yeah. in the show, he means that he has he has been sending dick pics, as we know, to Jerry, who's yeah. been his weird, quasi almost fetishistic yeah. love, sex object, love object, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's, that's been a brilliant element of the whole thing. And in the in 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 the in the penultimate episode, they have a discussion. She tells him to stop sending yeah. her dick pics halfway through the episode. And you're like, oh yeah, good point. And he's like. Sorry, yeah, you know, he's like embarrassed, but acknowledges the fact. And then they have this huge big meeting, and he thinks there's a great moment of triumph for himself. I'm like, with everyone on the board, and to set, and he's so excited, and you know, can't control himself, literally, <laughs> that he sends a dick pic to Jerry, but in, mistakenly sends it to his dad, Logan. And the the his reaction shot, I, I said, I said, I think it's the greatest reaction shot in the history of television yeah. to when when he's, he's realized that his dad has got a picture of him, his dick, his son. <laughs> You know, his own penis <laughs> sent to him. And when it's all you can see, the machinations in his mind, that acting oh is gosh. absolutely incredible. And you're like, that's exactly the expression on your face it would be yeah. if the worst example <laughs> of humiliation, yeah. shame, everything with your own dad. Yeah. It was like, yeah, what a brilliantly conceived thing it was. Could have been, been his mum. 
I don't think that would no, have been worse. I don't yeah, think no, because his mum is is a wild. You know, oh, okay. who's also in because you know a lot of the episode takes place in the wedding in Italy. Yes. of his mum, yeah. and she she didn't give a shit. No, it's it's, the, <laughs> it's da, no, the, it's okay. not worse with the dad. It's the the worst person in the yeah. universe. Wow, because he's already got this kind of weird, you know, Freudian relationship with mm. him anyway. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that was the greatest moment oh, in, in, in the history of the whole show. No one's seen the finale yet. Um, but you know it's all set up, and and I'm actually interviewing um, Jesse Armstrong's showrunner on Monday for HBO. So by the time people listen for to this, this podcast, well, hopefully we'll be able to use some of it. No, no, for HBO and anyone else who has questions for um, journalists who have questions about the whole series so far. Um, so I can't wait for that. So I've got to watch. Uh, get, I'll be getting up watching it two in the morning live as it goes out on Sky. But just to, I mean, reiterate the absolute obvious: this season has been even better than the previous two seasons, mm. and it's reached heights, television heights that are. Just extraordinary. I'm I'm running out of ways to say. How yeah, it's it is. difficult, I'm isn't really it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's just it, I cannot. Yeah, words. There are no words. It's, you're run, um, We're all running out of superlatives to describe this fucking show. Yes, me amazing. too. <laughs> and I've got a discussion about it coming up in news as well. I warn you. Now. Okay. Okay. Well, speaking of superlatives, what I have watched this week is, of course, all six episodes of the final season of The Expanse, and. <laughs> <sighs> Wait a minute. Oh, on, on the previews. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Say, yeah they're no. not all available. They're yet not on... all available. No. They're not all no. available. But I've watched them all with right. my email address emblazoned oh. almost impenetrably across the middle of the, the screen. The middle of the screen. And I've got to say, I've got to say, and I know we talk about this or not, and I know it makes us the worst human beings alive, but I have to say, like, if I'm going to have my email address take up the entire screen, at least, like, reduce the opacity yeah. so that it's, yeah. you know, so that it's it's there. You can see it. So if I pirate it, I'll still get arrested. But, but so I that just it's say, not all consuming. I feel like reduce the opacity is <laughs> is <laughs> now your official official favourite phrase James reduce the opacity dire is on it people alright it's not everyone much listening. to ask honestly no. Amazon if you are if anyone from Amazon or Prime Video or yeah. whatever you're calling yourself at the moment yeah. is this please reduce the opacity of the watermark because it's just upsetting I had to watch the final season of possibly my favourite TV show at the moment and it was Difficult. It, it was opaque. I really, 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 really enjoyed it. So it was glorious. And I was really bereft by the end of it. I felt like all like, I was like, I felt like tearing up. I was like, I've lost these people from my lives. Like, what's going to happen? That said, that said, not only did I watch Expanse, but there may be some Expanse related goodies coming down the pod pike towards you in the not too distant future. So keep an ear out for that. Delta loaders, <laughs> screaming firehawks, whatever you want to call yourselves. Is that uh, in the yes. James Dyer spoiler special um, episode? This is basically stuff that you're obsessed with. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, it's just going to be a James yeah. spoiler special yeah. where I bang on about The Witcher and yeah. C and The Expanse. Yeah. And actually, do you know what? I would love to get Stephen Knight on C. I have spoken to Stephen Knight this year for something else, but uh, mm. I didn't get to talk to him about <laughs> C. Nice <laughs> uh, I didn't get to talk to him about C, and because we had we had a limited amount of time, and I was like, oh, I would love to have got into that, but. There's yeah. still time. There's still time. There's still time. I might just turn up at his house, just knock on the door. Stephen. Steve. 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 Absolutely fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk Baba Voss and Tamakti Jun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's what we've been watching. Let's move on now to this week's listener question. Now, this week's listener question <laughs> is up in the air because I sent a few yeah. suggestions to the yeah. WhatsApp yeah. group and I don't think we landed. Well, you did. On a particular one, did we? Did we land on a particular you one? You did, and we disagreed with it, and here we are. Well, you offered it, <laughs> so we, yeah. 
<laughs> okay, you didn't like my one about. Okay, fine. Well, maybe we can we can save that for another one. My one about fantasy fantasy sagas. Uh, do you want to do the will they won't they one, or do you want to do the original song one? Will we have we um, have you prepared for the will they won't they? And I've prepared for the I mean, original prepared. song. I mean, will they won't they? For nothing. So. I've, very, I've just got one answer, which is Daphne and Niles and Fraser. Oh, um, lovely! That is well. Lovely. Okay. Well, this is this is from Anna Boya, and she asks: With the magic of Christmassy fairy lights casting a romantic glow, what's your favourite will they won't they storyline? Uh, and yours was what was it? Daphne and Niles. Daphne and Niles. Hang uh, on, hang on. Well, isn't that famously terrible? Yes. Though? Well, I was going to say it's my favourite <laughs> until they actually get together, right. and then it ruins okay. the whole fucking thing. <laughs> it, not only does it ruin the storyline, it ruins the entire program, and it d- didn't really recover. So, uh, but up until then, the Niles Daphne relationship, well, they won't. It was yeah. one of the all-time classic elements of Frasier. I mean, yeah. there's lots of you know. I'm mean, bang on about Frasier fairly fairly regularly. It's probably been at least three weeks since I haven't banged mm-hmm. on about Frasier. Which, by the way, it's all available on all four as a box. Oh, actually, nice. yeah. That, so there, that's vaguely newsy. That's Christmas. Um, even though it is on every day um, in the morning on Channel Four anyway. Um, but you know, it's got the it's got various classic kind of elements of it, of its of, that makes it an all time great. One, part, one of which is that, of course, Niles is Maris. Niles is wife when the show starts you never see her and and the jokes about what Niles is what, what Maris is like are some of the funniest bits in all of Frasier and then they get divorced and then he does eventually get it together with with Daphne but the whole the whole his pining for her and his obsession with it was so well done it was yeah. so well modulated and it was so and actually even when they finally when she finally realises and he realises that she realises even that is fine up until then all that is great it's just when they're actually together and yeah. married that I feel it all kind of deflated and, it, and and there were still some brilliant episodes but the the brilliant episodes were brilliant post that relationship because it, they, the ones that don't deal with that relationship at all where there's not any importance whatsoever but generally the whole show declined a bit yeah so that is my I'm sure there are other classic examples oh I know I know what Beth is going to be right off the bat oh, do you do you yeah what Josh and Donna oh Oh, ah, I th- okay, but let's, but you've got me all let's deal with that out. because that, to me, that's that's a hard pass. And that I am very, very anti shipping Josh and Donna from the West Wing. Very uh, anti that. Amy and Josh were made for each other, hundred percent. Like when he, I mean, when he got together with Donna, I was like, it's Amy. It's always been Amy. What are you doing? No, not here for it. Sorry. Well, what, what's mine then? Laura Lyon. What's his chops? <laughs> oh, what's his chops? So yes, no, what's his chops with yeah. the with the cap? Well, there's that. <laughs> The one with the cap. The one with the oh, cap. I thought you said the one with the cat. He, may, like, a cat he may or may not have a cat. cat. I couldn't say, but he definitely has a cap that he wears backwards. Yes. Him. What's his name? Luke. Him. Luke, Luke and Lorelai. Luke and Lorelai. Yeah, wonderful. Jess and Laurie. All the Gilmores, all the Wills, all the Wones. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, I haven't prepared for this because so, I've got But that a, would be your answer, Clem. That, that yeah. would be my answer, yes. I mean, it's for me, like, it feels like the, the go-to are obviously Ross and Rachel. Like, that's, that's the... Yes. That's the go-to. But for me, I think I would say Sam and Diane from Cheers yeah of course because I never like when Kirstie Alley joined it wasn't the same like for me Sam and Diane was the was the beating heart of Cheers so yeah yeah no I'd agree with that yeah um, um I mean Carrie and Big for a while in, oh, in, yeah. in um, oh, gosh. Yep. which we'll get to later <laughs> yeah um, and of course The Office the original UK Office Tim oh, and Dawn yeah. That, yeah. actually the answer is Tim and Dawn is it Tim in and fact, Dawn now that I come to mention the fact the answer is Tim and Dawn I'm probably thinking we've answered this question already we I'm may sure well have done <laughs> we sure, almost certainly yeah. have I'm sure I made the point that Tim and Dawn is the greatest yeah. well they won't in their relationship yeah. in, all of, in all of TV the whole, the whole ending of the of the whole fight finale is about that is about them coming together with you know David Brent as a almost like a side element that he yeah. finds some kind of happiness as well but that the whole way Tim and Dawn is dealt with is 
constantly you're hoping, praying that they might get together and then to leave to make the whole thing build up to that. It's the rom-com within the extremely realistic, satirical, not even satirical, but, you know, observational, ultimate dream observational sitcom that, of course, James can't watch because <laughs> it's too excruciating for him. So James has never seen it. No. But you've got Tim and Dawn get together with Yazoo, only you in the background, the music, yeah. remember? <sighs> yeah. Um, <sighs> just everything about it. Yeah, um, lovely. Um, Did either of you ever ship... Dawson and Joey or were you always Pacey and Joey I didn't watch I still haven't watched it all the way through <gasps> I know I know I know I've never got I, I was aware of the moment yeah Um. it was shared at many many a bus stop waiting for the bus on the way to school um, oh my god you're so young <laughs> Jesus Christ um, but that was why yeah I remember Um. I don't remember anyone in their right mind wanting wanting Dawson to get anything really Dawson I was like that. Dawson Dawson yeah. from maybe this doesn't surprise you I imagine no. Terry here she'd be like of course you yeah, fucking course you, did yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um, but no it's all about Pacey yeah not Dawson was the boring one yes so, you know in, in all of these in, in great shows where the main titled characters are the boring characters Will and Grace classic mm. yeah you know there's lots of examples of those that's a side question yes that but is certainly Dawson's Creek about Dawson, who is quite boring. He all, is quite boring. Yeah, yeah um, Pacey is the fun one. Yeah, it should be mm. Pacey's Creek, really. Um, <laughs> Pacey's uh, Creek. So yeah, that's that's. So next question, no. Yeah, I'll throw in Mulder and Scully, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, we all wanted them to get together, and then it was very much an anticlimax when they did. Yeah, it's always generally an anticlimax. Mm. If you carry on, if you if you that's you know, again to return my point, if you finish it at the end when they've got together, perfect. If you carry on, that is a really dangerous thing to do in TV. I mm. think in serial TV, but it can work. So and I and I will use this example. I shipped Aronson and and John Crichton from Farscape in a big way and that was a big thing and when they finally got <laughs> together with that, Beth? Oh, can agree more. Yeah. the can way agree they more, dealt James. with that yeah. was absolute fucking genius where they have a guy literally come in and using this he clones Crichton so you get two Crichtons so one Crichton goes off in Moya and one Crichton goes off in Talon two different ships and the one on <laughs> the one on Talon is there with Aaron Sun and they're together and then the one on Moya is on his own and then the one who gets together with Aaron Sun they have a whole relationship they pursue and then he fucking dies spoiler um, and so you get the thing that the ship they're together he dies and then she doesn't get back together with the living one because A that would be weird but also she's mourning the one who died so it's like right. it actually gets really fucking twisted and they get they, they get to have their cake and eat it in that particular case that sounds, um, sounds raunchy it's, it's brilliant it's a genuinely it's a, it's a magnificent sort of genius bit of writing that I think it's I think it's glorious wonderful bad writing <laughs> is it's quickly pivoting away from that as quickly yeah. as I can before you yeah. can gather <laughs> breath to talk again uh, I hate it when they do the will they won't they and then they're together and then the writers are like suddenly go against the whole of the character's grain just for the sake of breaking them up and then bringing them back together again. That stuff I can't fucking stand. Nick and Jess are a really good example of that in New Girl where they have this Mm. wonderful, robust, like sweet fucking relationship. They break up in a way that is very somber, but they're back on and off again and just making them do things that they wouldn't naturally do as a character. Mm. When you've grown to love the characters as much as you do, when they turn them into a bit of shit, that's when Mm -hmm. I'm a bit... I think they do Ross and Rachel quite well in that regard. The kind of yes. coming apart and coming back together again, that works really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the original. That was the kind of blueprint for it all. And I don't think anything's quite done it as good since. I just like it when they stick together, you know, like Andy and April in Parks and Recreation. I know the writers were from the off, like, we're not going to have them in any sort of trouble. They're mm. just going to be consistently together, consistently happy. Same with Ben and Leslie. And I think, yeah, rather do that, rather have them, even if it dips every now and then, rather that than go against the character nature for the sake of keeping the story going well 
I think that is that question answered. Probably again. Kind of. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for that, Anna. If you would like your question addressed on the only episode of the Pilot TV podcast we have left this year, uh, do feel free to send it to us uh, on Twitter or Instagram, wherever you like, at Pilot TV Pod. Uh, we will also be doing our review of the year special. That'll be coming up soon. And so we'll be taking general review of the year questions as well. So send that to the same place, but do mark them review of the year if you wish to do that. I'll have another call out for that next week. Now, now, I do believe it is time for this week's guest, and it is the one, the only Mr. Henry Cavill, who, as you all know from his Instagram feed, sat down with me for a chat in person just the other week. Uh, he wasn't shaking hands because, you know, COVID, but I did get to hug his absolutely adorable dog, <laughs> Cal, uh, who was like the bridge between us. Um, now, I'm not saying this is the absolute nerdiest interview <laughs> we've ever done on this podcast, but it might be like I certainly can't recall Boyd for example in your interview last week with Olivia Coleman uh, you asking her what her favourite chapter of Space Marines was but maybe you did and I just wasn't listening it's entirely possible um, but honestly for a monumentally nerdific interview with Henry Cavill uh, well there is one coming at your ears right about now I am here now with Henry Cavill and more importantly with Cal the enormous dog this is genuinely the highlight of my day so so does Cal come to all your junkets or is this a very special junket Cal comes to all of them yes uh, as long as as long as he can travel with me to the place then he'll come and, and yeah. is this like a is this a screening process for you? Like if there's a journalist comes in and Cal doesn't like them or they're not a dog person, is that like a black mark? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily hold it against them if they're not a dog person. That's, that's their own personal <laughs> preference. Um, but if Cal doesn't like them, there's there's probably something wrong with them. Yeah, that, that's, that's an issue. Yeah. What kind of dog is he? He's genuinely, he is amazing. He is an American Akita. An American Akita. Yes. He is so fluffy. You're a good boy, aren't you? Um, so, so and he comes on sets with you. He goes everywhere. Absolutely, yes. Uh, he's he's either in my trailer or on set. On set, um, less so, just because he, when he does bark, it will pull, <laughs> it's pretty loud. pull the air out of your lungs. <laughs> uh, so during takes and stuff, I I wouldn't want a take to be busted because of him. Yeah, no, and of so he'll he'll often sit in the trailer and, and relax there. See, this is why your job is better than mine because we're not allowed dogs in the Empire or the Pilot TV offices. Okay. So. I mean, there, there are probably good reasons for that, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, being entirely emotional, it's very sad. Oh, it is. It is. He is uh, genuine. It's just the size of his paws. Sorry, I'm going to be obsessed. This is now the interview, no, just so please, you know. Please, this is the whole thing uh, now. It, it, it is. It is uh, I, I completely get it. <laughs> I, I am on side. On side. He is, he is magnificent. Um, but talking about The Witcher, which of course we should at some point, um, like your career, you've done this amazing thing whereby you've probably got more wish fulfillment, I would say, in your back catalogue than most yeah. actors manage. And I wonder, like, I'm not an actor and would be terrible at it, but if I were one, I would 100% want to inhabit the roles of things I love. Like, is this something you set out yeah. to do? Is it is it a happy coincidence? Like, I Oh, that's a tough one. Is it something I set out to do? I probably. <laughs> yes. I, I, it's definitely the things I've pursued, uh, whether it be fantasy genre or large mm. IP. Uh, it's it's the kind of stuff which I've always been interested in, fantasy genre in particular. Yeah. And so the idea of, well, being able to play The Witcher, yeah. um, even being in a position now where I can start speaking to these authors and saying, you know, hey, uh, are the rights still yours? And if not, <laughs> when when will they be available? <laughs> can I have them? <laughs> yeah. Can, can, would you like to have a discussion with me about us making a, mm. a, a TV show or a series of movies together? And, and that, for me, is incredibly exciting. Yeah. That is the, the, the dream come true uh, scenario. 
Like, was there a moment when you realised that had happened? When it was not just like, I am Henry Cavill actor, I am Henry Cavill who can make things happen, you know? Um, it probably, no, I wouldn't, not a particular moment, uh, <laughs> but um, definitely this past year and yeah. the year before, I started to realise that actually that there's a lot that I can do and I need to get out there and, and go get it mm. and pursue it because these things don't come to us. Uh, we have to go get them. Uh, the same happened for Witcher. The same will happen, I'm sure, for the next things that I do. Yeah. I mean, but you're right. You've got to create your own opportunities. Like, I think it's, I think Chris McQuarrie, who has said many, many nice things about you. I mean, he's, he is. he's a magnificent man. <laughs> he is. He's lovely. So talented. Yeah. And a big friend of the magazine as well, which is, which is great. Good. Um, but he, uh, I mean, he talks about your, your work ethic, that you're very, I mean, you talked about going into the Royal Marines in the past, but he said mm -hmm. you kind of almost apply that to your acting career, that kind of regimented, it's a job and you treat it like a job. Yes. And, and yes, I, I think, I think it does require discipline yeah. uh, physically because I happen to do a lot of training for the roles that I play. Do you? Um, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> but also, um, but also they're, they're taxing physical days on set. The roles that I play, uh, they're either stunt orientated or yeah. just, just physically very tough. And you're working 16 hour plus days and it, it, it does require discipline. Otherwise you start to flag, you start to fall to bits. And when you're working, 16 hour plus day, six days a week, it, it does get very, very hard. And if you don't have that discipline, mm. then not only do you ruin your day, but you're probably ruining a whole bunch of other people's days as well. And for me, it's important not to do that. I mean, look, as someone who similarly has 3% body fat, obviously, it's hard to tell, but I do. <laughs> God, I wish I uh, had 3%. <laughs> well, you did for the Superman. That was pretty much where you were at, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it 3%? Uh, yeah, Man of Steel and, and Justice League. Oh, no, about 3%. 3% is really low. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, 3% is not... Is not it is not what people think it is. Not sustainable, it's, maybe? Uh, I mean, it depends on who you are. Sure. Everyone's different. But yeah. I, I think 6% is probably more realistic. That's still very low, but 3% yeah. is crazy low. That yeah. is, I mean, you're talking, a, there's a note, people start to look unwell in the face at 3%. Sure. So, I mean, speaking as someone who had a burger and a milkshake for lunch, I mean, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, but, but genuinely, and I know there's nothing more tedious than being asked about, you know, what is your schedule? And that's, but, but what does it genuinely take? So I remember like, I've seen The Rock talk about how like, he gets up at six in the morning to have like a boiled chicken and then goes back to bed and stuff. Like, right. is that the kind of stuff you essentially have to do to look like that? Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for The Rock. I mean, The Rock does his thing. Uh, I, I do not wake up at six in the morning to have a boiled chicken. I normally wake up at four to go to work. Wow. <laughs> but not to have a chicken. <laughs> uh, it's, and no, all, all joking aside, uh, it, it does require a lot of discipline. Um, if you're just trying to cut weight, then that's a matter of uh, doing the right kind of cardio mm. and just having your calories in a place where you're in a deficit. If you're trying to gain muscle, then it's about having a surplus of calories and or the calories not in a non-deficit and doing the right kind of training for that. Mm. If you're trying to do both, gain muscle and lose fat, that's where it's really hard. You have to tread a very, very fine line there and that's very taxing. Yeah. Um, and it can make it very difficult during shoots if you're trying to do those things. Uh, but it, there's different, different routines and techniques for di the different things. But not a lot of room for burgers and milkshakes <laughs> is what we're saying. It all depends. Yeah, not if you're doing something. <laughs> if you're doing one of those three things, sure. Uh, maybe two of those things: losing weight and losing fat, and gaining muscle and losing fat. No room for burgers and milkshakes. Yeah. If you are just going through a mass gain phase, 
maybe more room. Go I mean, nuts. My, yeah. my, my, my trainer, Dave Rienzi, is, is probably doing backflips saying, no, what the, what, <laughs> stay away from the milkshake. Uh, uh, yeah, put it one, down. Put one, it down. One, day, one meal a week. Um, and which is true. It's where we get cheap meals. Oh, and God, so yeah. like uh, once a week. So it's uh, like if, a Tuesday night Nando's and you can. Exactly. Yeah. If I'm being super strict, um, it's once a week. If I'm being super strict on that, then it's sushi once a week rather mm-hmm. than burgers and fries. Sure. Um, but actually, often when you're training super hard for a shirtless scene uh, in, in, a, in a TV show or a film, you'll get the fries the day of the shoot and, and the burger the night before or something because you want your, your muscle belly to be filled mm. and not with food, but with, <laughs> with all the glycogen and all the right stuff in there yes. and the salt as well and water. And um, it, 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 does, it does make a difference. So it's not, it's not all torture. Mm. The worst bit is when you're uh, controlling your water intake. That can be yes, because Hugh Jackman talked about that a lot, didn't he? Like the dehydration to yeah. accentuate the muscles. Yeah, and, it just, yeah. It, 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 that's pretty horrible. Yeah, Way that, worse than dieting. That sounds grim. Way worse. Mm. When you can smell water, <laughs> you're Give like, me it, the water. It, yeah, yes. no, it, it becomes quite a thing. When people are saying, "Oh, so after this scene, what are you going to do? You're going to have a burger or a pizza or something?" I'm like, no, I just want cold water. <laughs> Give me a drink. I want a bottle of cold water, and that's it. And that's all you care about. It's amazing to realize how what the body actually needs yeah. when you when you start taking all those things out. A pint of your best Highland Spring. That's that's how you undertake. Yes, yeah. very cold, ice cold, always ice because you always you feel so hot. Yeah, because you're yeah. doing like you're trying to keep a pump all day long, so you're doing exercises. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's ex- exhausting <laughs> and, and very hot. So you're like, no, I just want water, cold, ice cold water. Well, I mean, your career has been very sort of physical. You do lots of physical roles. There's yeah. an awful lot of action to it. Now, obviously, you did have the hamstring injury while shooting this season, which yeah. sounded pretty fucking hairy. It was, um, but like when that was healing, because presumably, like if it was a nearly detached hamstring that's yep. career altering if not career ending absolutely so i mean did you have like a, a soul search during that where you're like okay i might have to recalibrate no okay i did not i i was determined to make sure it healed yeah and i had a great physiotherapist in freddie murray and he took really good care of me the trickiest thing was was the uh the demands from the show mm. because we were very lucky in the sense, if I can say that, I tore my hamstring before Christmas. Yeah. So Christmas was a write-off, um, and it was very difficult to cook on crutches. But <laughs> sure. But um, I had more time to then heal, and because the pandemic hit a particular high in January over here, yeah. it also delayed shooting another week, and so I could do more physio, dedicated physio with real rest. But then we got back into shooting, and we were shooting most of the stuff from episode eight, which is lots of dashing around backwards and forwards and doctor's orders were five hours on your feet and no more. Um, And then you've got to finish. So we had that agreement, but they, they needed more of me. Uh, They needed me to, to be there for, for longer hours. And and it became a discussion and there's only so much you can say no when they're, when they, when they keep on asking. <laughs> and, and so eventually you go, all right, yes. And it ended up being six hours and then six and a half and seven hours and, and so on and so forth. And it's that really fine line where Leah here um, would, would be, be the bad guy. And <laughs> Henry, stop. Well, yeah, <laughs> would actually say, no, he's because yeah. we're, we're, he's been on his feet now for seven hours yeah. and not only that, but he's been running backwards and forwards. And cause you do want to do really well and you, you want to do well for everyone else and, and you want to put it all in, but at the same time, you do have to be selfish yeah. and the things like rather than having a, a massive career change and uh, a moment of going, I need to stop. I can't do this anymore. It's actually going, if, if I, I need to stop today 
and rest mm. so I can keep on doing it because I love doing it. I love doing the the physical roles and and I, I there's so many more I want to play across various fantasy and sci-fi genres. Yeah. And so if I'm if I'm the guy with the with the torn broken hamstring then it's going to restrict things and I don't want that to happen. No. No, I get that. I mean, you, you mentioned sort of like fancy and sci-fi stuff. I'm very much with you. Speculative fiction is very much where I live. Uh, I love all of this stuff. I mean, if we're talking sort of like fancy series, like, do you read a lot of fancy books or is it mainly sort of like absorbing through other mediums? I read a lot of fantasy Excellent. books. Good man. Like, what would be your go-to fantasy series? Because obviously there are no fancy books. There are only fancy series. We don't do standalones. No, no, no. of course not. I mean, no. Do they even exist? No, I mean, I don't think so. No. <laughs> Why would you read one book when there can be 15? It makes no sense. I, I may have read a book basically a children's book which only had one but it may not have had one <laughs> dragon's bane is that a series or is that a that's what i do not know okay that i do not know i don't know how that popped that's i plucked that from my my childhood memories <laughs> um okay so um, my go-to fantasy series yeah. it's very difficult to have a go-to fantasy series because they're all great they and are. different in their own ways uh raymond e feist mm, rift war brilliant author and rift war uh, all of them mm. uh, all of all of those the empire ones with jenny wirtz actually are my favorites Brilliant, mm. and they're, they're all fantastic. And I, I would do any one of those <laughs> in case anyone's listening. Yes, and has the yes. right to hello, that. hello, this thing on. Um, uh, Brandon Sanderson yes. has done absolutely brilliant work. That man is so prolific. Have you seen the speed at which he writes? I, I don't know how he does it. No, neither do I. It's, I, I mean, those books are massive. There Stormlight may be Saga, many of him. Yeah. Like, he'll do the Stormlight Archive, and in archive, between yeah. volumes, he'll churn out, like, a Mistborn here and something else there. Yeah, and- I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Um, but I love, I love those books. Yeah. Uh, those are brilliant. They, they've got such wonderful messages in them um, for anyone who's reading them. And, yes, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of those. Uh, I mean, then there's Gemmel. Yes, old school, legend. Old school, old school. I mean, there's there's awards after him. Yeah, yeah. There are. I think Sapkowski won the Gemmel Award. Yeah, shaped uh, like his, an axe, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's uh, Gemmel again. It's brilliant. Um, have you ever any Robin Hobb? I have seen Robin Hobb. God, there's so many of them in the series. But the first one's Assassin's Apprentice is one of the all time great fantasy. My books. brother has read those, and my mm. dad has read those, and they have recommended reading them. I have yet to get round to it, but. Maybe Christmas time. Well, do you love the fact that we can have this conversation now and it's, if not cool, not in any way, you know, no one's scrunching the nose yeah. up or looking askance at us because I kind of feel like Lord of the Rings, like Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings and then Game of Thrones have made this stuff cool. Yeah. Like, it, or at least acceptable. First of all, it is cool. <laughs> always has Good been, man. always will be. And there's one thing I found is that there's always going to be someone who's going to scrunch their nose up yeah. at you. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I... I, I love fantasy. I've always been a big, bigger supporter of it and reader of it. And it's only going to get cooler. I think um, so. As, as, as long as uh, there are good executions of it, as long as we have a, another Lord of the Rings uh, quality mm. out there, then it's, it's going to continue going. Do you think the technology has helped? Because I kind of think, like, you made Lord of the Rings 10 years before it was made, and it looks bad, and that's not good. Same with Witcher. Like, yeah. Go about 20 years and you've got a very different proposition there. It, technology has helped, but it's also not helped. Uh, because I don't know how much of Lord of the Rings was CGI. A decent uh, amount, I think. A de- <laughs> de- decent amount. We've got Gollum. Yeah, um, but yeah. a lot of it's scenery as well. Yeah. And it's using True. scenery to its maximum effect. And in the Urukai, yeah. that's all no, costume. that's practical. Yeah, practical. that's all practical. Mm. And so when, when one leans too heavily on VFX, then the audience knows. Yeah. And even if they don't point it out while watching it subconsciously, 
they know. And so then their suspension of disbelief is cancelled. And for me, it's like uh, with Mission Impossible, we could have done all of that by CGI. Mm. We could have done, but we did it for, for real. I mean, if you can throw Tom Cruise off a cliff on a bike, that's what you do. Well, yeah, and, and you do, yeah, you, exactly, but you do all that and you see yeah. it and it makes a huge difference because even though, yes, you can do that in VFX and yes, it, you could make it look real, uh, but part of the brain might recognize it and it's also going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm a huge, huge supporter of, of doing things practically and on location. Uh, rather than getting too stuck into the VFX world, because it, there's there's just a way to it, which can sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm watching a VFX show now, rather than, wow, that's terrifying. But it's the blending, it's the seamless. Like I always think the best Game of Thrones yeah. stuff is the shots you don't even know are CGI. Absolutely. And like, so take the Blaviken fights, which is season one. Yeah. The fact that, and this blew my mind, that it's half a sword. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool because it lets you go like mad with this thing, knowing you're not yeah. going to lop a stuntman's head off. Absolutely. And and that is the key stuff. I think that's where VFX is brilliant. And of course, the the skill of these people and the way they've created sceneries and monsters and all sorts is is absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Uh, I. I do love the the more uh, simplified stuff. You say like a half sword because it allows us to do more. It allows us to do more practically, and then you fill in the rest of it, and it looks spectacular. Or you take a you you take a beautiful location and you chuck a dragon in there, and <laughs> it's not you're on a green screen, and not only is the dragon fake, but then all of the rest of it's fake, and and you kind of pick up on that. I feel. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we mentioned swordplay here. Obviously, you are theoretically going to jump into Highlander next year with Chad Stahelski, which is very, very exciting stuff. Yes, but indeed. the crucial question, and I imagine as a fancy nerd, you would have got into this. It's like, Chad, Chad, what kind of sword am I going to have? Mm-hmm. What kind of sword are you going to have? Do you know? I can't discuss that oh, just yet. Oh, you're killing no, me. I, it, it's, it, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited to do one yes. day, but uh, that's not for now. Yeah, because like Geralt's sword is, would you call it a bastard sword? It's not quite a great sword, is it? It's not a great sword, no. no. Um, it's, ooh, it's sort of a hand and a half. Yeah. Um, but it should really be like a long sword. I mean, yeah. if we're talking games, Geralt, then it's, that's, it's a two-hander. Um, that's a different kind of thing. Um, maybe even bastard sword, but... Um, the one in the show is actually shorter than the description of the books. Oh, okay. It's something which I, I uh, initially proposed. I was like, can we make it like those few inches longer to make it just like it is in the books? Yeah. Um, but there were various discussions which countered that. Practicalities, presumably. To a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is but, that why you don't have both swords on your back as well? Just because it's just I mean, a the bit practicality much. of having two swords on yeah. your back because it's all well and good when you take one sword off your back and you fight with it, but when you've still got another sword clanging around back there, it's not ideal. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would say, uh, um, yeah. So Geralt's sword is, is a sort of long sword, but maybe slightly shorter. I would have, I, in an ideal world, I would have liked to be slightly longer because mm. when you're fighting monsters, you want that extra reach. Yeah, definitely. Keep them at arm's um, And also when you're fighting uh, people who are mm. monsters, you want that extra reach as well. Mm. And so, but but for, for uh, numerous reasons, I'm sure they decided to go with something slightly shorter. Yeah. And so and that's that's where it is. Well, one thing I do want to ask you before I let you go is like one of the, obviously you did your building the PC video, which set the internet on fire, but you also had a picture of you painting, I think it was one of the emperors, I don't know the name of those particular type of emperor's guard, but it was a helmet, a Warhammer helmet. Yeah, the Adeptus Custodes. That's the one, that's the one. It's been a while for me, I have to be said. I was more of an Adeptus Titanicus man back in my okay. youth. Okay, oh, yeah. and I, I have also played that yes. many, many, many moons ago. Yes, army when I was a teenager, loved ah, it. Okay, Yeah. nice. See, I see I see that look, I see that, you're like, oh, Eldar, is it? Mm. 
okay. Well, I mean, yeah, filthy Xenos, but it's okay. <laughs> but but why has there never been a decent adaptation of 40K? That's what I want to know. Because I feel like if the technology is here to do Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. 40K has some of the most, I mean, it's, it's incredible looking yeah. stuff. Like, why, why don't we have that? Uh, I think because, and quite rightly so, uh, something which I love about Games Workshop is that they've been very protective of their IP. Mm. And I think that's a great decision and uh, very wise. And obviously, that'd be something I'd be very excited to do. Yes. Henry Cavill is Eisenhorn. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know about Eisenhorn necessarily. When, when you've got when you've got Valdor and Primarchs out there, then it just, just seems a shame to be a mere Inquisitor. But um, I, I would absolutely... Uh, I would leap at that opportunity and it's something I'd be very, very excited to do. But I'm glad they have protected their IP yeah. and there haven't been just loads of TV shows and movies and stuff done poorly. Um, it needs to be handled perfectly. Yeah. It needs to be handled to a Lord of the Rings level. And if it's not, I'll be massively disappointed. <laughs> and um, Do not be the guy who ruined Warhammer like that's Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I could be the guy who does Lord of the Rings... For Warhammer. Level of uh, Warhammer. Mm. Warhammer 40k or 30k or whatever. I don't know. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. 40k or Classical Fantasy? Like, Do you both or just 40k? Actually, um, Classical Fantasy I also enjoy because the Total War games. Yeah. And, ah, yes, um, of course, yeah. And also, I was that guy who, kid, teenager, adult, <laughs> um, who bought all of the Warhammer Fantasy Armies books mm. and all of the codexes yes. and would just read them. And uh, fancy list build. I never had a chance to actually play with anyone. Um, but it's, uh, I, I would list build in my head. I would um, get all the lore in there and learn all the rules. And and I loved that. And so and so it was both. I mean, and the, the Sigma storyline is fantastic mm. as well. Um, I haven't played Age of Sigma. I haven't got into that yet. But um, the books written about Sigma were, were, were brilliant. I enjoyed those. And so there's a potential for a storyline there as well. Um, so much but stuff. There is so much stuff. And... That world is so rich, and that that universe is so exciting, and that is that is the the true dream job opportunity. Yeah, if I were to if I were to have the opportunity to adapt, not adapt to show that as live action, I think it's important to say that. <sighs> yeah, then I I would be ecstatic. That would be amazing. What was your chosen chapter? Chosen chapter. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's okay. Adeptus Custodes, which is, they're not Space Marines, so they're sure. not chapters. Um, if I were to go for a chapter, it would either be, um, and I, these are before Custodes came out, Blood Angels were my chapter, yeah. and also Salamanders. Oh, okay. They were, they were my two favourites. See, looking at Cal, I just thought Space Wolves would have been on the agenda. But, I mean, you know. Space Wolves are cool, really cool, <laughs> and, and they, are, they are great, but um, I thing is, I'm a bit of a loyalist, sure. even with my own stuff. And so I felt guilty just having two chapters. And so you can't then go, oh, okay, I'll have another. I'll be Space Wolves as well. Yeah. Space Wolves are really cool. And I thought, I'm going to let them be cool from a distance and, and, and do it that way. I mean, I also enjoyed the idea of Grey Knights as well because yes. them being the, the ultimate of demon hunters was, yeah. was great. And actually all the new stuff they have out now is uh, they are quite strong within the, within the meta, I believe. Um, but yeah, I would say Blood Angels for their nature and what they represent, and the same with Salamanders. Amazing. Well, Henry, thank you very much indeed for nerding out with me today. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Anytime. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. That was Henry Cavill. 
Uh, and I should say, it wasn't the only interview I did do for The Witcher Season 2. I also sat down for an even nerdier kind of conversation with the showrunner and former West Wing writer, Lauren Schmidt-Isrick, uh, for an Empire Spoiler Special podcast, where we got into all of the plot nitty-gritty on Season 2 and the finale and everything. Uh, and that one you'll be able to hear on the Empire Spoiler Special feed, uh, either uh, just after Christmas or very, very early in the new year. Uh, so if you don't already subscribe to the Spoiler Special channel, you can do so over at EmpireOnline.com slash spoiler specials. Shall we jump in now to this week's news, people? What has been happening in the world of news? Well, I want to bring up, I want to have a heated debate, Ron <laughs> Major Bush, you often cut out enti- entirely, so you know. <laughs> oh, um, God. If you, no, it's, it's, I, don't, I think this is less controversial. You don't need to cut this one. I'm genuinely fascinated. Have you, have you I mean, it may be a short debate, because if you haven't read this article that I'm about to discuss, have you read okay. the 7,000 word profile of Jeremy Strong in The New Yorker that came out this week? I haven't Jeremy Strong, who played, yet, yeah, but no, I'm aware of, plays of the murmurs of... Kendall Roy. Yeah. I haven't yeah. read it. Tell me about it. Okay. So it's, in that case, it's going to be quite a short uh, discussion. <laughs> but, so, it, Michael Shulman is, wrote it in The New Yorker. It is literally 7,000 words. Six months he took, right, to write it. He had access on and off for six months. So there's all kinds of things um, that are interesting about it. I mean, including he was hanging out with him with his wife and kids at one point. Wow. You know, he, um, I mean, bearing in mind that, you know, for, for our kind of interview, we're lucky if we get to fucking 20 minutes. <laughs> someone, you know, it's pretty extraordinary. He, Hangs out with him. We watches them filming lots of scenes, which she which she details in the article. Most of which, interestingly, have been cut from the final um, edit of Succession, which is interesting. Um, and just and and many many one on one sessions and observational sessions where he's just hanging out with him. And the article is a very and interestingly, halfway through the article, the writer Michael Schumann reveals that he's known Jeremy Strong for years and kind of went to college with him. Oh wow! So. Um, there's an interesting level of trust that you assume Jeremy Strong has given has has given him or yeah. feels with this regard because they know each other. They've known each other for years. And so you feel like that's partly why Jeremy Strong has allowed him this extraordinary level of access, including with his wife and kids, um, which is pretty extraordinary for, yeah. you know, for whatever kind of big Hollywood profile piece. Then what happened was... Loads of people saying it's amazing. And it's brilliantly written. And, it is a, and, and the general tenor of it, I would say, is... The headline is on succession. Jeremy Strong doesn't get the joke, and one of the and so the kind of theme of the whole thing is that Jeremy Strong takes it incredibly seriously, and has a kind of he think doesn't call it method, but he he has a version of method acting which is immersing himself so completely in this mm. role that he 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 says I take him as seriously as I take my own life. Right, and he talks about how he could not have come up with his performance if it hadn't have been for the absolute immersion. And he learned it from Daniel Day Lewis, who's one of his heroes, yeah. who he worked for at one point. You know, very closely. I mean, literally, he's almost Daniel Lewis's PA. Um, Al Pacino. He gets to come and see, see, do a special dinner at college, and um, the writer kind of says that basically Jeremy Strong kind of wheedled his way in to getting <laughs> getting Al Pacino to do. So he's kind of obsessed with three or four all-time legendary actors who are all in his mind use 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 what is known as the method which is almost pre- you pretending you are that person literally don't come not coming out of character yeah. during breaks in filming etc 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 being incredibly intense he wouldn't for example like he wouldn't go to the makeup truck when any other actor cast member was there yeah. he had to be on his own he separates himself from the cast he's also got lots of quotes from fellow cast members 
including um, Brian and um, um, Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin says he knows it's a comedy. Kieran Culkin thinks it's a comedy. It's funny enough. You, that's why I think it's of interest to you. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, whereas Jeremy Strong thinks it's a drama. Yeah. And like you know, it's like Kieran's saying he doesn't realise it's a comedy, and that's brilliant, and that's perfect. And Jeremy Strong's like, oh my god, I can't believe he thinks it's a comedy. And then Brian Cox is going like, I hope he's okay because he takes it so seriously that I worry about him like damaging himself. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. And so yeah. he's got these incredible on the record quotes. Mm from fellow cast members that again I think he's only got because they all know that this guy knows him yeah. and so they they trust him as well so he's gone you know Jeremy Strong's gone yeah talk say whatever the fuck you want this, I know this guy you know I've known him for years he's like a friend of mine in the family it'll be fine but in the end it's been regarded by some as a bit of a hit piece and a bit unfair and then it reached the point where Jessica Chastain who starred in two films with Jeremy Strong complained about it on Twitter and, and I will just read you her, her tweet I've known Jeremy Strong for 20 years, worked with him on two films. He's a lovely person, very inspiring and passionate about his work. The profile that came out on him was incredibly one-sided. Don't believe everything you read, folks. Snark sells, but maybe it's time we move beyond it. Interesting. She then, Kate Arthur, who works for the um, Variety, then engaged with her about it, saying she didn't think it was snarky, and she thought it was brilliant. And most, and they had a little conversation about it, but Jessica right. Chastain didn't really back down. And I think, because they are friends... One imagines that that's a kind of like probably what Jeremy Strong thinks of the whole thing. I mean, I don't know for sure, yeah. but I think there are so, there are so many questions like a about the nature of in depth profile pieces yeah. about what happens about having to angle them. You do have to, you know, there's a, what's your angle is a, is a journalistic thing that we're all asked when we when we write an article. You know, any good editor will, will kind of probably ask what your angle is going to be, yeah. particularly for a piece like this, that's sprawling mass, and it is, and it's pretty relentlessly. I was going to say take making fun of him, but it's it's definitely it's definitely pointing out that it's quite funny how seriously he takes it. Yeah. I don't think there's any way round that. I mean, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, so I, I'm so my open question was going to be, <laughs> what do you think of the article, and then of the ethics of you know writing yeah. a, a piece about someone you know who trusts you, and you end up kind of writing. I think snarky is an overly strong word, right. but it's kind of journalist. I think you feel that way because yeah. we're all aware because of having to find that and having to. Yeah. But the material he gets, he he presents like no one's saying everyone's been misquoted or anything, yeah. or even taken out of context. But it it amasses a mass a, a load a load of examples of him taking himself unbelievably seriously. Yeah. and obviously to anyone outside of acting, that comes across as quite pretentious and over the top like the level to which he takes it seriously and you come away with thinking well yeah I mean I'm with Kieran Culkin because it's a fucking comedy yeah. and you know you're you're being this intense but the performance you know is is, mm. is absolutely uniquely brilliant and I think yeah. it is it, yeah. you, you, re, you think well yeah. he probably wouldn't have been this brilliant if it hadn't have been for the White House seriously exactly. takes it exactly so that's my long speech <laughs> no. in much I've shoehorned into news but I think it's so fascinating I think and I think that's interesting you're seeing it because obviously you are in a position where you do have access and, and relationships with a lot oh, of people. Oh, see, he's never mentioned that. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've never written a 7,000-word um, no. profile piece on Russell Tovey. Yes, yeah. a snarky, yeah. Russell Tovey is not yeah. in on the joke piece. No. <laughs> I think, I mean, ultimately, and I, I haven't read the piece yet, I have bookmarked it, and I am fascinated by him, but I think context is everything, isn't it? I mean, undeniably, it's one of 
the best performances in an incredibly yeah. strong ensemble yeah. for its own reason. It's a singular performance that doesn't have the benefit of ricocheting, you know, like Shiv and Roman bounce off each other. Yeah. Roman and Jerry bounce off each other. You know, I I love that line in this this most recent episode where um, Logan does the equivalent of just kicks everyone to see if they'll come back. They they all have their bit, whereas he he's quite standalone. And if that's what it takes, yeah. To deliver yeah. that performance, I mean, he gives a fucking shit. Yeah. What, what would interest me about that profile is, is to get to know that person. And if that is the kind of person he is, that's the kind of person he is. If anything, you should be showing that objectively or as, as mm. well as you can without projecting too much onto it, your own thoughts and feelings, which I guess is inevitable when you know the person personally, you are going to project your mm. relationship onto them. But it sounds a bit like, do you do your job? It's, it's your job to kind of, summon the words to describe that person without actually inflicting your mm. own projections onto them really i mean it's good to give a, a good kind of a, a good read on what the person's like and what your experience was like with that person objectively but yeah interesting but that said haven't read it so mm. i can't say too much no else. i mean and neither have i but it, it it kind of it on the one hand like that process is perfectly valid you know what i mean taking a method approach yeah. some actors do that and it yeah. works exceptionally well that doesn't make them weird or strange and i can totally understand that if your character isn't in on the joke and you are going method then you probably wouldn't be just by the nature of that that process i think the kind of the bigger thing here is like should it's like exactly what you're saying like would he have got those quotes or that access had he not known him mm. and knowing him as he did did he have any business writing a piece like this because the journalist in him absolutely wants to write this piece because this is a story and mm. this is interesting but if he got access under the pretenses of being friends with him then that's that's a shitty thing to do as a friend and oh, also I'm not, oh i'm not saying that i think it's more i don't i don't think that's the case because he doesn't hide the, you know he does he literally tells the reader but there's that, that he but does know him. He has known not, him. But no, but I don't mean from a reader's point of view. I'm thinking right. more from Jeremy Strong's point of view. So is it right. more like is it more like, you know, was there a sense of safety? Yeah. Like so let's say you're interviewing Russell Tovey for yeah. Hit like, I, like I don't imagine it would cross his mind that you're going to like chuck him under the bus and do like a hatchet sure. job do you know sure. what I mean and there will be an implied trust there that he knows you're not going to stitch him up he doesn't expect you to make up lies about him but he mm. knows you're not going to stitch him up and then if you suddenly did like that's you know that is exploiting a personal relationship to score professional points and I would say that you have a fundamental problem here that there is a conflict of interest these two worlds colliding is tricky I can't believe I'm saying this to you but <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean but yeah. genuinely yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, it depends on the type of thing you're doing like you know when you're doing there's a reason why at Empire like we don't allow people who've been on set to review the films yeah. of the people that they've interviewed uh, because you, it's very difficult to keep those two things separate yeah you can't go anywhere near the Witcher well, no, there's a reason why I wasn't allowed to review the Witcher exactly <laughs> yeah um, I ended up reviewing the Witcher because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. of that very reason well exactly yeah. So, but there is a reason you have to try and maintain a separation there and I think if you're going to do a massive profile piece on someone who you know personally like and okay yes yes I think disclosing it to the reader certainly absolves you a certain amount of responsibility in some areas but equally it's it's a tricky line to walk mm. I would say I wouldn't want to do it because I wouldn't want to put myself in that situation yeah, yeah yeah, and a risky move from the New Yorker of all publications who like pride themselves yeah. on their ethical stance you know and, and are notorious for tricky profiles but not 
based on a on a prior relationship they're yeah. tasked with going in and, and presenting it again as objectively as they can but they're, they're known for their ethical stance and trying to keep on balance so it's interesting that that's who they've recruited to do that profile and it feels a little bit provocative yeah um, I'm trying to get find the bit where he talks about how he knows him because I may be slight, I was, I was worried I'm exaggerating the extent to which he knows him but I mean he definitely you know he definitely does I can't seven fucking I mean by the sounds of it, he yeah. lived in the walls of his house for six months well, researching yeah. this piece so <laughs> I think um, I think it's there's so many yeah, that's why I brought it up because there are so many elements to it that that are, that are fascinating. I think, I mean, I think you're right. I think I wouldn't, you know. But the thing about right, the thing about for me and Russell, my my friend with Russell Sophie, <laughs> like Russell. I'm completely, I'm completely um, uh, satisfied that he's such a well-adjusted guy, like normal guy. That there, that there's nothing I worry about. Do you know what I mean? In 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 any that I'm ever going to put, put, put be put in the position of having to either protect him or be dishonest about how he is or what he's like. So that's so it's almost like it doesn't become an issue. If I knew Jeremy Strong, however, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? This is yeah. this is I think what it comes down to, because he is so specifically as all the cast are basically saying he's the unique one. I mean, it's no accident, by the way. He was the one customer who wasn't at the junket where you know all the all the mm-hmm. um, interviews that I did for this podcast. He was not available. He was not. He did not come over for that. I think that's no accident. I mean, you know, so he is kind of like alone in, as this as this article constantly reiterates among the cast in his method in what he does and the way he is. And so I would be scared. I would be scared, yeah. like as the if I was his mate writing this thing, because you have to deal with the whole what is that like. I mean, and you're right. What you were saying about you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but. Equally, it's very difficult to to um, accurately depict the extent of his immersion in this role mm. and his methods mm. and how he is without it feeling a little bit like you're taking the piss and that's what Jessica well, Chastain for example clearly is objecting to yeah. so that that's the issue here I think if there was anything about any friend of mine that I, I ever write about that I thought oh that's something weird but it just, I'm lucky enough I think if there was I, I would absolve myself I would what's the whatever the word is not absolve myself yeah. I would recuse myself yeah. from writing about them because I don't think I'd, I'd be worried so that is one of the most interesting elements of it is I don't think there's any way of writing a really honest piece about mm. Jeremy Strong I've written I've read other profiles of Jeremy Strong and they all kind of tap into that element of him so it's no it's clearly a very important part of his personality and his story in his mm. life but of course he's, I'm sure he's lovely with Jessica Chastain and they have a lovely time together whenever they have dinner and their families hang out but equally probably the most interesting thing about him is this unique extent to which he takes it very very seriously and mm. takes himself to some extent, very, very seriously, which when this show is so, the show is snarky. That's the thing, isn't it? You know, mm. it's, 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 so it makes it all the more surprising in a way that they all have to deal with that and what they all think about it. I think, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Like, and I'm sure the quotes, I was thinking when I read, the, there's a Brian Cox bit where he's like, I really, I worry about what, you know, what he's doing to himself. <laughs> and I think, I bet that was part of a whole spiel, you know, like a long answer. Mm. And then you take that out. And I'm not saying it's taken out of context anyway. I mean, no way am I judging the writer, but that's what happens. You do take the bit out that's going to, that's going to underline your angle again, to go back to the, you know, what, mm. your, your, what, and so all of the quotes, absolutely underline his angle on him being a bit weirdly obsessive about mm. the way his method it's it's yeah i couldn't i mean it's, it's i couldn't be more fascinated by the whole thing there you go well i shall look forward to reading it <laughs> yes uh so what else has been happening in the world is anyone exciting to hear that colin farrell who looks shall we say out of character as oswald the cobblepot <laughs> aka the penguin in matt reeves upcoming the batman will now be doing a penguin TV series on HBO Max. I couldn't be less surprised by that if I tried. Because <laughs> they announced it and they're like, oh, maybe Colin Farrell is in it. Meanwhile, Colin Farrell is saying that, oh, he's only in maybe two, three scenes from the Batman at tops. And I'm yeah. like, oh, let me just let me just draw that line there. Let me draw that thin line between the two. So yeah, not surprised in the slightest. 
interested to see where they'll go with it, obviously. Yeah. If it does, I mean, I'd love to see a Selena Kyle spin off and do her own thing, it would be really interesting. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I'll watch it. Yeah, I liked I mean, um, North Water. I think he's he's doing interesting stuff with Telly. Yeah. Um, he's doing interesting stuff with his career full stop. So I'll be interested to see what he Loved does. Loved the North Water. Yeah, he was so, he was so brilliant in North Water. <sighs> he was a piece of shit, wasn't he? Yeah. But I mean, but brilliantly as a yeah. piece of shit. Yeah. I think oh yeah. Sorry, I think, yeah I Not as a person. He, I'm only your curator. <laughs> did you go because of the launch? So the, funny enough, the Q and A that he was also brilliant in the Q and A. One yeah. of the best. He's so he was so charming and funny. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm fully on board for Conan Farrell as the Penguin. I think, and it's all it's, it's just what Marvel do, isn't it? I mean, Marvel introduces characters in films that then yeah, just like, spin them off yeah, into her. Yeah. So it looks like DC's actually, you know, learning lessons. I'm not going to get into that. DC first Marvel thing, but, yeah. but let's just say it's fine. It makes yeah. sense. And Colin Farrell, for me, can do little wrong. I think he's great. Yeah. Also, mm. in the news... Raised by Wolves now has a return date. It's coming back in February. So if you want to block aside 10 hours of your life to absorb (laughs) another season of that, go for your lives. Um, So that's the thing. But more exciting than that, actually, is that uh, your favourite Beth, Murray Bartlett, has been talking about his role in the upcoming HBO adaptation of The Last of Us, a.k.a. the best show currently in development. Uh, He was saying about the character who he is playing, who is uh, Frank, who's one of the kind of... He's he's like a survivalist. He's someone who, who... Joel and Ellie are going to meet along the way. Uh, he is, shall we say, in the game, connected to another, another character called Bill. Uh, and Bill is being played by Nick Offerman. And this is new news. Nice. So Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman oh. as Bill and Frank. Can we please have Murray Bartlett on? Oh. Can we please? Oh, he's, yeah. He, absolutely. So know? we can talk about Farscape, really, for no other reason than that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're not saying you're going nowhere. Fuck <laughs> the White Lotus. Yeah, we just want to know yeah. about Farscape. Um, so tell me about Farscape. No, no. It was one of those, I don't know, I was nervous to do it because I was like, if he's anything other than the lovely, lovely man that I have him being in my mind as being, I'm really upset. And he went even further. He was the sweetest, funniest man. Just did not take himself very seriously. He was like a crack. Like, who wants to talk about squatting over a suitcase and pushing out a fake yeah, poo do you yeah. know what I mean but he did it took it you on the to, chin ask, and, and the um, and the um, bum I'm trying to think of the nice word for it the, the bum scene the bum scene yes yeah. yes yeah. I think you know he just took it on the chin and he just he took the bum scene on the chin <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> but just and I think he's just so grateful to be there he's so grateful because he's been working so yes. hard love him so yeah we, we've got to have him on yeah, I'm putting the, the campaign 100%. out now. Um, Amanda Stenberg is joining a galaxy far, far away, which is very exciting. Oh, really? Do With, tell. Um, I mean, <laughs> that's about it, really. Okay, but great. She's in, no, the, uh, the Acolyte, uh, new spin-off, uh, style spin-off from Les, is it Les Lye Headland? <laughs> it's spelled L-E-S-L-Y-E. I'm going to say it's Leslie. Leslie. Mm, I bet um, it's Leslie. I, don't know. I bet it's Leslie. I bet it's Leslie. Leslie. She mm. co-created Russian Doll anyway, which is exciting. And it's supposed to be kind of a Star Wars thriller. Yeah, that's the Sith one, I believe. Yes. But do you see that I'm uh, talking of renewal, evasion? Um, renewed by Apple. That is a surprise. Yes, I did. Um, yeah, exactly. Nonsense. I mean, let's face it, we're all a bit like... I, I mean, part of me wonders whether every Christmas I might watch the rest of that mm. but it was very boring very and I'm boring like I'm indeed. not sure I want to no but I did watch like five hours of it so it wouldn't kill me to watch the yeah. rest I think Apple's very loyal I don't know if anything if they ever cancelled anything like they, they give, must have done I'm trying to think they give, I think they give second seasons to everything pretty much <laughs> I mean I'm trying to think off the top of my head and I can't have won I mean it's, you know there was limited a couple of limited series that obviously they wouldn't they haven't um 
as far as I'm aware, recommissioned. But it, yeah, I mean, everyone thought it was boring. I don't know anyone. Yeah, literally. I mean, it was boring. <laughs> it was yeah. unarguably boring. If, if any boring. Invasion fans are listening, yeah, please um, tell us why know. it's not boring. Yeah, but maybe they just said to them, "Look, you know, you can have another season, but obviously up the pace by about a thousand. Yeah, and um, and it'll be fine. If, maybe yeah. we can have an actual is. invasion in your invasion series. That would be uh, yeah, useful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, here, Fear the Walking Dead is coming back for an eighth season. People yes. weren't sure if that would come back. But more interestingly, Kim Dickens yeah, is returning as a regular cast member, despite having died several years ago. So that's going to be an interesting <laughs> okay. one. Um, sure, why not? Yeah. I must admit, like, no disrespect to Kim Dickens, I did not love her character as Madison back when I used to watch Fear the Walking Dead. And I was a bit glad that she died. I know okay. what you mean, but Kim Dickens is so brilliant in everything. that She is of, good, but yeah. I didn't like her character. In fact, mean, to be yeah. honest, I don't think I liked many of the characters of Fear the Walking Dead which is why almost all of them get killed over mm. the course of the first what four or five seasons mm. where you've only got I think two I want to say now of the original yeah. cast remain yeah. um, and I was I, I thought that was a pretty good move if I'm honest with you but <laughs> then again I don't watch the show anymore so I do not know yeah. um I think this is news. I think this came out just after we recorded last week. So I wanted to mention, which is that the Harry Potter reunion special yes. is going to be on Sky yes. Max on New Year's Day. Indeed. Um, and that's a big deal. And that, the trailer went out for it um, today as we're recording this. And it does look really good to see. You know, I'm not the world's biggest Potterhead by any means, but I, I like the idea of Daniel Radcliffe sitting down with his castmates and having a nice chat yes. about. Yeah, no, I'll watch it. I'll yeah. definitely watch it. And you know that like... Dame Helen Mirren is hosting a, a TV quiz show for Potterheads. Do you know what <laughs> really? this? No, On I mean... December 29th. Yeah, so also on Sky Max, um, there's like a four-part quiz of Potterheads. Is she in the films? And she's fucking hosting it. And I don't think she's no! in the films. She's one <laughs> of the, the few. One? She's right. the one she's British. The one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Perhaps the that's what it's about. As yeah. the only person yeah. who's not in the Harry Potter film. Right. <laughs> but so how weird is that? Dame Helen Mirren is becoming a TV quiz show host for a Harry Potter that's thing. Really and she's not even in the fucking film. How do you even approach her with that? I know. <laughs> like, she must have been getting paid a lot of money. Yeah. Or just, Either that or it was a dare. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> a dare or she just best mates with Daniel Radcliffe yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, so, but that is on 29th of December. People. Yeah, no, that's yeah. cool. Okay. That's cool. Excited about that. Um, I think we're probably done with news. The only thing I might mention is that Kevin Feige has confirmed that Charlie Cox's daredevil will be the MCU's daredevil. He has not confirmed where that daredevil will appear. Will he turn up in Hawkeye? Will he turn up in Spider-Man No Way Home? Who knows? But, uh, Charlie Cox is the daredevil of choice. So, okay. Fair. That's good. Good. I mean, oh, you've done a spoiler special for Hawkeye, haven't you? Like, several of them, yeah. yeah. Oh, Hawkeye's good. Yeah, we should like yeah, Like really this good. episode, yeah. yes. love it as much as the third. I preferred it, actually. I, I thought it was as good. Well, I liked it because it, it did with character beats. I thought what the previous one did with action, like it really nailed oh, maybe, those yeah. buddy comedy moments. And I loved it. I loved it. I think it was hit and miss for me. Some of it really landed, some of it didn't quite. I, I don't know. I had I have a tradition with Amon Borman who writes for the magazine where he gets up about five a.m. and watches it, and then I wake up to a series of essential <laughs> screams on WhatsApp, and then I sit and watch it. And I got a lot of screams from him, even by his count, for this episode. And I think it just did what it was supposed to do. I don't think it exceeded expectations. I thought it was very good, but I knew what characters were coming in. I knew what we were doing. I knew where those character arcs needed to go, and, and they did them very well. I did like the Christmas slushies. I will be yes. adopting that into my own Christmas edition. Yes. Um, and I enjoyed some of the crockery. But uh, <laughs> the less said about that, the better. Right, that's news. I hereby declare news ended. Uh, okay, this is an emergency. Is it an emergency? I don't know if it's an emergency. It's a timely drop-in, uh, which we thought we'd do first thing on Monday morning because... 
something aired on the weekend, didn't it, Boyd? Yes, James, it did. Your favourite, the uh, the greatest show on TV, Succession, um, reached its season three finale in phenomenal style. I watched it live at two a.m. on the Sky uh, Atlantic, and um, yeah, it, it lived up to everything that we'd want it to be. It was just, it was surprising, shocking, funny, yeah. really, really um, intense. Whole Kendall and sibling scene, I think, in the dusty car park at the wedding in in um, in uh, Italy was extraordinary. Now, are we now? Are yeah. we spoiling or are we not spoiling? This is a key well, I question. We have to spoil, don't we? We, we have, have to, spoil. to spoil. Well, then if we're we spoiling, that's spoil. fine. But then everyone's listening. If you've not yet watched the finale, do skip ahead. Time codes in the description, as always. Spoil away. I haven't seen it, but I'm not going to, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> what, I, what, I, what I thought I'd start by saying is if you kept in the, if you keep in the whole discussion, which I initiated about the New Yorker profile of Jeremy yeah. Strong, even if you don't, the, the New Yorker profile of Jeremy Strong um, uh, discourse has not stopped and slowed down in any way and people are still obsessed with this uh, profile of him which went into his acting techniques well I think now you've seen the finale which includes I think him at his most raw and um, broken um, it, it, it kind of explains just the extraordinary lengths he went to yeah. Uh, in prep in preparing in his method of ostracizing himself from the other members of the cast and tr to try and get to the raw existential crisis that he experiences in this finale it all kind of makes sense now so it's almost like without seeing this finale i think that article reads like a little bit like oh come on come on you know jeremy pull it put yourself together just mm. act darling as La larry olivier used to say <laughs> but, but then you watch this and you think actually it works because his his, his performance is fucking amazing. It, oh, it's so, so painful watching him. Yeah. And you do you have to wonder as well, because there's talk in this final episode about Kendall doing a profile for, for yes. Vanity Fair. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, was this all part of it? Was this like, did he go so method that he deceived this New Yorker writer writing a profile about him to be a part of the show? By which time we're all talking about this profile, and then they're talking about doing a profile about Kendall. Oh, just my mind is, oh, I'm blown. Yeah. Mind yeah. blown. My mind Ver is blown. I love it. It is mind blown. Very meta. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Aaron yeah. Sorkin got involved, James. I don't know if you know. In the, in the I did. I Jeremy. noticed that yeah. Anne Hathaway yeah. posted. Aaron Sorkin yeah. posted. A whole yeah. bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. So, it's become a thing. Yeah, it's become it's a thing. It's taken on a life of its own. I really love. It. I've seen a few great jokes about. Um, 30 Rock, how this would be a plot line of 30 Rock where Jenna yeah. Maroney would tweet about Jeremy Strong having never worked or acted with Jeremy Strong before, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> That's brilliant, yeah. <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, but there, there, yeah, so there's that, that whole element, I think. Was, and of course, he does recover. Brilliant. Because in, in, in What makes the show so perfect is that you really feel for him in that scene where he's where he's having this crisis and he's being he's being kind of comforted by his siblings um, yeah. um and he, you know it's and it's in the baking sun and he's like really really getting to the inner core and then of course 10 minutes later when he's riding in this car with again with the siblings on the way to kind of basically um try and defeat their own father and he's yeah. like um hand me the shotgun i'll do it as in i'll kill my dad you know he's like he's yeah. completely over it he's, he's, he's fine he's sorted yeah and they all kind of they all kind of help him deal with the fact that he was involved in the death of the waiter at the end of in the season one series finale by basically saying it's fine doesn't matter you're not a murderer <laughs> yeah. you, if anything you know. you're kind of heroic yeah like, right yeah so it just gross. just at the moment when you really feel for him and i think it brilliantly plays on your emotions and you're like okay yeah i'm actually going to feel something for him then the monster 
you know, resurfaces quite quickly, which is, that's always the way with the show. Like it's constantly toying with your with your feelings um, yeah. and with your sympathies. It's so incredible, isn't yeah. it? Are we saying this is the best season yet? Oh God, this yeah. Is, I mean, yes, yes, it is. It is just. I've just never felt so happy to be deceived by a man as I have. Right. Wow. That's right quite the now. statement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm just so elated and yet so like, yeah, deceived. And also, I mean, it's masterful what they've pulled off in this last episode because it's been building up this whole mm. time. It's like that, Mr. Policeman. We've, we've. I gave you all the clues. We've had clues from it. If you, we've, we've like on on these today. They've like, if you look at the poster for this season, it's segregated. There's the Roy's, the the kids on one side, and Greg and Tom walking behind Logan. And it's been there the whole time. Mm. There's been analogies the whole time. You know, Tom is this kind of shrinking man that's been retreating and retreating and retreating. And we've just sort of let it happen because Kendall and Logan have taken kind of center stage. And then that delicious knife twist in the final moments that is so subtle that you still are kind of like, is this really what's happening? Is this really what, what's happening? And then it just cuts to black. Masterful. And I just mm. love that we've we've been fed stuff all this time. And just what I haven't anyway, I just haven't processed it whatsoever. But it's been there from the start. And mm. kind of drip fed. Oh, love it. Absolutely yeah, my, masterful. My, my main takeout from the from the finale, apart from all that, all the, all the Kendall stuff was that um, Tom... Tom loves Greg more than what Shiv definitely. Tom and Tom and yeah. Greg is the real power couple. Um, <laughs> Shiv has just pissed him off. Shiv wouldn't even say she doesn't love him. You know, in their sex game stuff that was referred to in the last episode. Yeah, and I think Tom's realization that he's never going to get what he wants from Shiv, and that he's got to cut her loose. And his betrayal of, as you say, brilliantly intimated in that. In a, in, it was like The Godfather. It might, <sighs> you know, and I think it's no accident. Yeah. It was all set in Italy. It was very, the lighting. It was all like this sumptuous kind of rich Italian vibe. And then, you know, the betrayals, the Machiavellian betrayals felt very Godfatherish, <laughs> particularly from Tom. And the scene where Tom ropes Greg in and they like hug. It was like, yeah, that's this is the love. This is the real love yeah. that yeah. is in that show. <laughs> between them. I thought it was so good. Other revelations. I mean, we have to mention that. Um, that um, there's a whole thing about possibly Logan having a baby. Oh my with god! It, yeah, yeah, that was dropped in. Um, yeah. That um, his his assistant slash lover um, yeah. has been preparing smoothies with some kind of like sperm potent <laughs> sperm thing in it. I mean, that was incredible, absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah. And oh, I think that you know that it's interesting that the whole uh, oh yeah that. Um, Greg might be some kind of minor European royalty. That was brilliant. He, 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 oh, he, yeah. He, the contest. Yeah. Honestly, what are you talking everything about? went down. Everything yeah. went down. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. God, what has happened? Um, um, Connor had his moment. Oh, yeah, Connor. Connor, got, right? Connor had his moment in the sun and then yeah. got, got it all kind of pulled out from him again as well. But he had a wonderful piece of acting to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was really gleeful, yeah. glorious. And that, kind that of... and by the way, in, in my interview with, um, uh, with um, Connor, um, mm. uh, right at the beginning, you know, when we when we did all those, when I did all those um, junk interviews with the cast members, he was saying, I asked him basically, don't you want a big scene where you kind of just yeah. tell these fucking your siblings, yeah. your ungrateful siblings who treat you like shit? And he was like, yes, look out yeah. for it, it's coming, it's coming, and it bloody yeah. well did. It, it really bloody did. Well, did. it bloody well did. And he's getting married, of course, because his uh, 
she finally said yes after thinking about it for about three days <laughs> for about three three whole days yeah and even then it's not even what was it fuck it like yeah, what's fuck the, it, what's let's the do it yeah very what's romantic the worst that can happen? yeah yeah <laughs> fantastically Wonderful. romantic yeah um and just the way they deployed like the the um so the dick pic had massive ripples, didn't it? Ramifications, because yeah. I think that made um, his Roman's dick pic made his dad feel, see that he's something deeply wrong with him, or think there's yeah. something deeply wrong with him. And that, and they and I think that was like the final, like I've got to cut him loose. Like basically, yeah. I think Logan genuinely feels like none of those offspring are. They're all fucked, and they're all <laughs> fucked up. And Roman was probably the one closest to because he obviously you know was the one who engineered the meeting with. Um, Alexander Skarsgård's character, who's yeah. going to take over the company, and yeah. for him to uh, cut him loose at that moment and send him back yeah. on his own on the boat, <laughs> Roman. But because partly because I think he thinks Roman's deeply he has deep issues, sex issues that he can't deal yeah. with, he doesn't want to bother with, and um, kind of like that that almost facilitated the whole cutting loose of the three of his three kids. I thought it was absolutely fascinating. It was the, it was the dick pic felt around the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. This is fascinating to me because I obviously have no idea what you're See talking what you're about missing? on any level. See what you're missing, James? You're missing all this stuff. I mean, it is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All in all, okay. uh, phenomenal. And I think it's interesting, yeah. the last shot was of Shiv. The very last shot of this series. Oh, she's going to kill him. I yeah. think she might actually murder Tom. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's, she's yeah. going to kill him. Yeah. I think you're right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the tragedy is how long? We're going to have to wait so long for the next series. Oh, I mean, yeah. What are we well, at do? least you're getting one. The Expanse is finished, boy. Like, that's oh, it. True. So, you know, we yeah. all have our cross to bear. I feel for you, James. I feel for you. Yeah. But right now, it's it's a mixture of unbelievable satisfaction with... But, I mean, the, the series yeah. is now... I, I, I alluded to this in my Empire Review, but I think the series is now up there with the all-time greats. It's, it's yeah. you know, it's West Wing, it's The Wire, it's The Sopranos. Steady. It's Breaking Bad. <laughs> It's the expanse. <laughs> now, step. No, no, I'm no, not having it, Boyd. I'm not. You, draw, you crossed the line there. You crossed the line. Early. It's too early for this confrontation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure we will get into this more in our review of the year special. But that is it for our little brief. Ex- um, I did said expanse drop in. <laughs> <laughs> if only yeah, in uh, for our brief succession drop in. Um, lots of things have actually happened since last, and we don't have time to talk about any of them. But the Halo trailer dropped. Mike Flanagan has cast. Basically everyone in his new series, including Mark Hamill, Cowboy Bebop has been cancelled. Don't really care about that. Uh, Six Feet Under might be coming back for a revival. Loads of stuff to talk about. We don't have time to do it now. Perhaps we'll talk about it a little bit more next week. Uh, But uh, yes, that is it for our emergency succession drop-in. Goodbye. And just like that, it's time for reviews. And that's where we begin with the continuing exploits of Carrie Bradshaw and two of her three longtime friends in the belated revival of groundbreaking HBO series Sex and the City. Now, HBO didn't screen this for critics before we aired, and we weren't quite sure why. The question is, (laughs) do we know now? Beth. I mean, yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. And so, you know, I mean, it does... It is one of two things. It's either something or some things that, that absolutely cannot be revealed ahead of, yep. of the airing day or it's fucking terrible. And thankfully it was the former. Um, well, for me anyway, I don't know where you two are going to fall on this. I'm oh, not looking at James, we, but... We should say, to this, are we going to discuss this with the spoiler, the key spoiler included? I'm That's I think an we interesting question. All right, I'm going to say that yeah. since this has actually already been out yes. and you're all, if you're yes. interested, have already seen it, we're going to discuss the spoiler at the end of the first episode of And Just Like yeah. That. If you do not wish to hear said spoiler, then by all means, do skip ahead. I 
will put the timestamps in the description. Because there's no way that any Sex and City fan will not have watched this by it. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Yeah, I, exactly. I just, just wanted to establish that we were going to swear. <laughs> yes. I mean, I've, I've only managed to watch the first one uh, and was told off within my home for screaming as much as I did. Um, <laughs> partly for nostalgia sense. I mean, I I had like the box set and would watch it religiously. Great. I mean, we've spoken about it on the pod plenty of times. I'm, I'm very invested and I was very curious as to how this was going to go given the absolute abomination that was Sex in the City 2. Uh, but you live it, you learn it. Um, and yeah, Oh God! Lots. Of, I was absolutely distraught by this episode, even though you saw it coming a fucking mile off. Um, this was well. I think we can start by saying what kind of show this has become at this stage, which is that it's not a direct extension of Sex in the City. Which it's, is why it's not called Sex in the City. Which is why it's not yeah. called Sex in the City. It's why it's it's got this new title and just like that. I mean, it's still got the same creator. It's still got the three cast members: Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, Kristen Davis, and they do deal with the fact that Samantha, played by Kim Cattrall, isn't there in like the first thirty yeah. seconds. It's like the first thing they do straight <laughs> in there. And I'll be honest, they could have left it there, I think. Uh, it was just the fact that she was in London, she'd gone away, and there I think they could have drawn the line, but they decided to make it into more of a coherent storyline where she'd gone over there because she'd fallen out with Carrie over some sort of publicity deal. Um, there were some quite tongue-in-cheek digs at her, which I felt were quite unfair, given that she's maintained a pretty resolute silence over... Her contribution to this. Oh, well, to this. To this. Oh, to right. this. To she this. definitely hasn't maintained any kind of no. silence when it comes to <laughs> slagging off the other then. Oh, God, no. Yeah. No. But she's also brought a lot to that show. It is very much a forehand oh, yeah. show. I mean, yeah. obviously, Carrie is our protagonist, but she brought her own kind of live wire presence to the show. She was the most progressive. She's the one that drove topical issues more forward she was the promiscuous one she was the forthright one she she gave a lot and bless her she did a lot of weird stuff for that show so I think it's quite unfair that they have turned it into more of a dispute between them when she hasn't really got any voice in yeah, that dispute. I agree. And and yeah, and it they seemed petty. Yes. They took the piss a little bit out of her, which felt, yeah, out of spirit of the show, I would have thought, considering they're really trying to hone in how progressive and how much they've changed and that they're really taking steps to right the wrongs of the show, which and I don't like, but product of the time. It was a product of the time. It, was, it came out yeah. over 20 years ago. It was very you know, revolutionary and a lot of the stuff they said, as I said, Samantha was a big part in that, um, in, in terms of attitudes towards sex and race and gender. Um, but here that what they're trying really desperately to do is show that they're changing to, to explain the working, to show the working on screen. So Miranda now, who was a, a lawyer at like a top firm is now dropped out to become a human rights activist and stop being part of the problem, which is something I think she actually says mm. to a woman at one stage to a black woman. Um, Carrie is now on a podcast with a very sexually um, progressive, non-binary, bisexual <laughs> host who's played by... Callie from Grey's Anatomy. Callie from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> 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 um, Charlotte is is still a mum. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't have again. She doesn't have much heavy lifting to do in the first episode. Um, so that was the biggest problem for me is that they are so furiously trying to explain how they're becoming better people that it kind of bogs down what should be 
just to show where they fucking get on and do it instead of telling everyone that they're doing it. That said, there was still a lot that I loved. I screamed every time some of <laughs> the series came on. So Steve's back, Harry's back. I've, I cried as soon as I saw Stanford. Um, and he gives Carrie a little kiss on the cheeks. Obviously, we lost lovely Willie Garson a few months ago. He was just 53. Um, Chris Noth is obviously wonderful. Chris Noth. It's Noth. Yeah. Chris Noth, obviously, <laughs> just... A well, just a wild oiled charmster at this stage. Now they've written out all the the shithead stuff from um, before, um, but yeah. So the, it's just a lot of kind of exposition in in the first episode. Still beautifully made, and then big dies, <laughs> and and. He does get to wank on camera before he dies, though. So yeah. at least you know, at least he went out in yeah. style. And Thank I God did. they included that scene. <laughs> and that was, and I mean, it was a complete. It's interesting that given the foundation of this show is quite unsexy they don't they don't have these conversations anymore mm. he gets to have the one kind of jokey line I'm gonna go get some lube I'm not 30 like that's kind of fun and he does get to do that little bit but yeah and then he clocks it and then he he gets to play a Todd Rundgren record he gets so to do you know, that's, so yeah he gets yeah. to he gets to masturbate and he mm. gets to play a Todd yeah, Rundgren yeah. record but, so but what a way to go that line and just like that big died I was like Really? Yeah. That's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, which is, and I mean, I haven't watched the next episode yet, so I'm I'm just slightly amiss and not quite sure what to do with myself. Um, because it was, oh, it was just really quite sad. And you saw it coming. You obviously saw it coming. Didn't make a lot of sense in terms of narrative. He's got a heart problem, Carrie. Don't let him do a peloton and reach a, it was like a hundred there. Yeah. Stop it. Get him to have some green tea and like... Oh, are you blaming Carrie for Big's death? Yeah. Yeah, I think She's you are. I'm yeah. not... I mean, she might even know he's on the fucking peloton. No, by the way. that's true. You know, there is that. But she did. She did sort of go in for going on the peloton because he fancies the fit instructor, oh, yeah, which right, he does. Right, to yeah. be fair, but Allegra. Allegra, yeah. <laughs> Allegra Stratton. But no. yeah, it uh, it was pretty. It was pretty bold. It was a hand solo maneuver, and uh, it did work for me. I don't know how much, but then I don't did know. Do you what... have any inkling that that might happen? No, because oh, I did. Because I'd seen rumours. Like a couple of people on Twitter had had um, said, "I think Big's going to die." Right, and I don't think they. Ha- I don't think they'd um, any inside knowledge. They were just like from the way, almost from the way the trailer is or something. They kind yeah. of thought that might happen. So I was kind of slightly expecting it. Right. Yeah. We, it came out. We didn't come out of nowhere because they spent the last ten minutes <laughs> yeah. of the episode. They say, you know, "Yeah, oh my god!" In intimations yeah. between Charlotte's daughter doing this like beautiful piano arrangement yeah. and him on his fucking peloton. It was telegraphed. It was yes. telegraphed. Yeah, uh, but fair enough. But the it if it didn't just just rip me to shreds. So it it did what it expected. To, it fucking knew what it was doing as well, and it it bloody did it to me. Um, yeah, heartbroken. I have a like, question. And maybe it's just me. Was this not absolutely terrible? Like, <laughs> am I am I taking crazy pills here? Um, like, you watched, did you watch the second episode? No, I oh, watched okay. the first one and found it borderline unwatchable. Now, I will say 100% that the cringe in this was off the chain yeah. to the point where the whole sequence with Miranda in the yeah. classroom, I swear to God, I closed my eyes yeah. and covered my ears and waited till it finished because I just couldn't deal with it. Yes. So that, that, that clearly not for me. But it just felt so ham-fisted. Mm. Like, 
all these rifts on like woke culture and whatnot. And it's fine like that, that in that particular scenario that we're talking about, they're obviously satirizing it. But there were other points where I'm like, I'm not sure you're in on the joke here. I think you are trying to be down with the kids and current. And it's just, and I get it, it's about aging and it's about how the world has changed since the 90s and they're having to adapt to a new world. But it just, I was like, Oh, like some of it just felt so fucking clumsy. Like when she comes in and says, oh, he told me this. Oh, you know, who's quick with the pronouns and stuff. It's like, really, are we going to try and cram every single social yeah. issue into this first episode <laughs> in a really ham-fisted way? And yeah, like I was watching this thinking, oh my God, this is really really bad and yet speaking to Helen O'Hara who actually quite enjoyed it and you who quite enjoyed it maybe I'm I'm an outlier here Boyd am yeah. I going mad yes I, I, I don't think I think I don't think it was terrible at all um, I was worried after the first five ten minutes that it was terrible yes, that's, I think I that's was. a terrible beginning yeah, yeah. Mm. I thought the beginning was shocking and, and just in terms of exposition I mean it was literally like um, her, Carrie going yes I, I, I am an Instagram blogger about fashion that's interesting with up and going fashion people and then COVID all, stuff as yeah. well that they crowbar yeah. in I, that, what a fucking place of privilege. Oh, does anyone else missing standing six feet away from anyone? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. Nobody misses that. Well, I thought was, it was idiotic and it could so easily have, easily have been. It shows you the power that Michael Patrick thingy has. Um, yeah. The, the, the um, Michael Patrick King has as yeah. the showrunner and writer and everything. Yeah. Um, who, by the way, was responsible for Sex and the City too. Let's not forget. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he's very he's very clever. I mean, he did the comeback. So I'm never ever going to, I'm, I'm all, I will always forgive him for anything because the comeback is one of the greatest things of all time yeah. in all TV history. History. So he's clearly very talented, but I could not believe they let him get away with the opening five minutes yeah. of clunkiness. Mm. There was just so many ways around it. First mm. of all, just with the voiceover, there was less voiceover, weirdly, mm. in this version of the show, even though it's longer. So this is 45 minutes. It used to be half, less than half an hour, half an hour. And it, she could have just explained everything in voiceover. Mm. That's what the fuck it's there for. Yeah. <laughs> and, and instead, we have these unbelievably yeah. clunky, this lunch scene. It was terrible. Yeah. So for me, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be awful. I can't. And then actually, Actually, as it went on, and I, I thought the cringe scenes were, I thought they were great actually, because what the show is, what they, what they're doing is all they could do. They had to address the fact that this was a posh white privileged yeah. show from throughout its entire history, and I think they have got um, writers of color on board in, in the writers' room. I was reading and I think you can really tell that I think they had to address it all so it does feel quite jam-packed with addressing everything I know yeah. what you mean because you've got the podcast people yeah. you've got the professor of law person mm -hmm. who, is, who is by the way um, I thought was really good played by Karen Pittman from the morning show yeah. Um, yeah. and so there's a lot going on but I thought that was totally the right thing to do, actually, because otherwise, and, and I thought the way they did it felt very real and kind of natural rather than, so after the opening, which was terrible, I thought it settled down. I thought actually the way they dealt with um, those things was rather clever and yeah. smart and kind of, and kind of re believable. I, I thought that that's particularly um, uh, uh, Miranda. I think Cynthia Nixon was brilliant as Miranda. And the scene where she's on the platform, on the subway, which might be actually in episode two. No, it is in one. Oh, in episode one. Yeah. Well, she keeps seeing her on the, pl on the platform, by the way. Um, and seeing it from, at, from the outsider's eyes. Yeah. Seeing it from the other character's eyes, the black female law professor's eyes, this fucking scary white, this Karen, to use that <laughs> yeah. heavy quote, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. was really smart because you're suddenly seeing this 
bubble of privilege, really, from our, from other points of view. And I actually thought that was quite daring and, and, and absolutely the right thing to do and just real because that's exactly how she would react. And so I actually thought those scenes were pretty good, whereas they could have been horrendous. And and it's being I think I think it's a hard thing to do, right? You can't it's hard to address the fact that this whole fucking thing is built on an edifice of white privilege, yeah. right? But it is it's, it's 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 dealing with it and I think in a very interesting way. And I have to say, so even though I was half expecting Big to die anyway, and he does, I thought that was really well done. Yeah, that was really um, well done. And then in episode two, which is the funeral. So, so I'm slightly and slightly annoying. You haven't seen episode two, and even with so even with the um, stuff about um, about um, what's her name, Samantha. Yeah. Um, I actually thought because I thought that was really bold and clever. I like that. I think she can fucking take it, you know. So I think the fact that there's this whole meta narrative of them addressing her absence, Kim Cattrall's absence, mm. via the way they talk about Samantha, I thought was again that was I thought that was really good. I like that because I thought they could have easily just kind of ignored it and in quotes. It. Then the thing happens in, in episode two, which I won't spoil for you particularly because you haven't watched it yet. Thank you. Which actually is really moving, involving Samantha. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I genuinely was welling up at that point. I Oof. was like, I was moved. I was absolutely moved. You know, I'm sitting there trying, going, "Oh fucking hell, they're never going to pull this off." <laughs> but actually, the whole funeral is really, really well done. Okay. And props to I think every, Sarah Jessica Parker because her performance is not. You know, to use the the the, the top, most tired of old things that James does, it's not likable. She is not likable in these no, two episodes, no. almost in any way. No. She's quite harsh. I mean, she's dealing with the death of her love of her life, Fair. but even before then, but certainly post that, the way she, I thought was really clever and realistic and her performance was great because she could have ended up being cloying and, you know, and all of that, but actually the way they do it and the way that she interacts with the the friends and with and with um other supporting characters the new characters i thought was really really good so i'm fully on board i have to say i think like there are there are moments still moments of clunkiness and there will always be, yeah. because it's just dealing with stuff that's hard to get every single element of this stuff yeah. right yeah. but I, I really credit it i've I read reviews of people saying oh it's more it's it's lost all the fizz and the but do you know what it kind of has to in a way because yeah. you can't just churn out the same smug kind of it's more of a serial show now so back in the day when it when it first started it was like half hour there'd be like a theme every week wouldn't yeah. there like anal sex one week and whatever the next <laughs> yeah. week whereas it's just now following their lives and it's gonna there's there's intimations I think of alcoholism I think I'm getting yeah yes. but yeah a little yeah. bit there's another intimation of possibly someone having a lesbian affair I think I may have read too much into that which Ooh, I, think I we, thought that as well oh okay mm. interesting I Thank picked you. up Good. on that well because so, I, I didn't watch that much of the last season I was thinking oh is this a plot point or right. is this a new thing I wasn't even sure yeah, so. yeah I think so mm. I, I, I'm I'm totally I'm absolutely gonna I'm, I'm gripped by it and fascinated and I think they've done a overall I think they've I was terrified it was gonna be a disaster yeah me too but I don't think it is in any way no. so it's just me yeah it's just, yeah, it's just me okay good, good well I did think it was a disaster but fine uh, Thursday this drops on Sky Comedy and indeed on Now and just like that right next this week we have The Girl Before and this stars David Oyelowo as a slightly odd architect who has designed a beautiful immaculate very Spartan home which he rents out to people who pass a questionnaire an interview and agree to live there by his very exacting set of rules uh, Gugu Mbata Raw is one of the few tenants to pass these tests but soon discovers she wasn't the first. Isn't that right? Mm, Beth? Uh, yes, that is correct. So yes, this is um, I got strong Alex um, Garland vibes mm. from this very mm. um, sort of 
dystopian, but not quite architectural, cold. There was an ex machina vibe, definitely, through this. Well, yeah, you've just, I mean, you've cut me off there, but that's Sorry, what I, I, was I, was I thought that's what you were reaching for. Yes, no, I thought you were getting, no, I think it's a very, very, okay, classic. right, do that again, because I didn't no, mean to walk no, over you. I genuinely thought no, I was. we're keeping all of this in. No, I thought I was helping. I thought I was helping. Keep it in. Keep it in. I was trying to help. I was just. Saying lots of words to describe what I meant before I arrived at saying it's like, no, but no, no, that's fine. I mean, would you're you like to say this again, are you? I'm going to make me keep this in. Oh, you're definitely keeping this in. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> Ex Machina vibes. I don't know if you've got Ex Machina. Yeah. So, what's that, Ex Machina? What's that, Ben? It reminded me of Ex Machina. The, the, uh... oh, I hate you both. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do have this sort of kind of. And it's interesting to see David Oyelowo play this kind of Oscar Isaac type, very externally charming. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on underneath the surface, very clinical, very um, narcissistic. Um, and yeah, he has this very beautiful, very sterile home, which, you know, in London is very hard to come by at the best of times. Um, but yeah, he's he's offering it out for free, I believe it is, or very affordable prices but with a, a, a huge list of caveats things like um you're not allowed any clutter on the floor there's regular inspections you can only have a small cupboard's worth of possessions no magazines no magazines Terry imagine not. <laughs> imagine that no books as no well books, yeah. yeah no um, knickknacks yeah. yeah, regular inspections. And then there's this ridiculous questionnaire with loads of like moral quandaries and things to it as well. So you really have to excel by his expectations to be able to live there. And um, it pivots between these different timelines. There's the current day where Gugu's character, Jane, is dealing with uh, the aftermath of a stillbirth and is looking for a new start and to just sort of get out of her, her very sad life. Um, so it's dealing with her looking around in the current day and then it cuts really smoothly smoothly between another character called Emma played by Jessica Plummer and her partner Simon played by Ben Hardy formerly of EastEnders fame am I right in yeah, saying? Yeah totally yeah. Yeah uh, which I, I, just, <laughs> I can't take him that seriously as much as I try but they're, they're a kind of a, a couple who outwardly very attractive and modern and, and kind of catalogue beautiful but have a, a myriad of problems Emma has undergone trauma of her own which we find out about throughout the first episode and he's a raging bellend he is a raging bellend um, but <laughs> Like clumsily so. I think, yeah, sometimes it's calculated, mm. but a lot of the time it's not. He's just fucking hopeless. <laughs> um, so there they decide to take it in in that timeline, and then Jane qualifies to get it in the other. And then in the meantime, lots of mysterious goings on between Edward and the the former couple, and then Jane in the present day. Everyone's dealing with trauma. This is a sad show. I was not prepared for how miserable this show is. Like, uh, and it almost, the casting almost works against it, I think. Like, Gugu is, is just effervescent. There's something so magical and open and beguiling about her face. I Like, I really enjoy her her kind of quality as a performer. And then, yeah, David Oyelowo is is so charming and has such a smooth register. Um, and, and to see them both moving through this quite sterile world, again, both of them is fucking miserable. <laughs> it, it feels a little bit airless to me. And it seems like it's it's kind of, it goes against the grain in quite a distracting way. It says a lot of things about trauma. Um, I think this might just be on me for not quite anticipating how 
far this pushes things in terms of theme um it's a lot of and i've just seen the first episode as well but it is essentially everybody talking about what's happened to them in great detail and how they feel about it and how they can relate to how the other person is feeling about the horrible things that have happened to them and then the cinematography is very stark and dark and sterile again but minus the kind of mystery and thriller aspect for me anyway that that alex garland's work has sorry which film was that (laughs) i'm not i'm not doing this (laughs) (laughs) so yes i've just Mm. seen the first episode i just i found it the casting an interesting choice i think jessica Plummer, who plays emma the girl um from the the relationship she has a lot of heavy lifting to do and and a very very uh enduring single scene that she has to do where she has to recount her trauma and she plays that extremely well it's almost unbearable to watch when she's doing that um especially when she has to riff off yeah this this bell-end partner um yeah, I think I just wasn't quite equipped for how stark and miserable this was, <laughs> to be honest. And it, it left me a little bit stunned uh, and unenthusiastic about going any further, oh, to God. be honest. Yeah. Wow. Um, oh, I didn't have that reaction. I think I thought, I thought, I, I, mean, I think the whole premise is really interesting. Yeah. So I haven't read the novel. JP, JP Delaney adapted. How many parts is this? Four. Four parts. Yeah. Um, which feels like the right kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I, sure I was going to say. I, I, um, I, so I think it's a really interesting premise. I like the whole idea of it. It's fascinating. I mean, I'm kind of really interested in minimalist houses and stuff like that anyway. Yeah. Um, and I thought they were all really good. And I, I was kind of, I guess I, I guess I kind of was half, was pretty much expecting that there would be quite a lot of trauma and dealing with trauma involved. I thought the way you, you alluded to it, in, when, when, uh, the, the, the smooth transitions from the past to the present, the yeah. timelines, I thought were really well done. Yes. Um, because often in this kind of thing, they can be clunky and annoying and irritating. And, I, you know, playing around with timelines is, you know, it's every single TV show, as I've gone on about relentlessly on this podcast, has to have that. But actually, there's an intrinsic part of the whole narrative technique yeah. is to weave, the way they weave together, the um, the Jessica Plummer and the Gugan Bathoraw characters, I thought that was really smart and well done. Sometimes almost like there's one bit where, um, by the way, did I miss something? So they have parties. They each have parties, quite big parties where they're sniffing coke off the table, etc. It wasn't one of the rules don't have fucking parties. But yeah, yeah. Well, it's only it's only the, the middle couple. Uh, the couple yeah. have a party and right. clearly against rules. But then also she's leaving stuff all over the flat. It's a mess. Yeah. Like they're breaking the rules yeah. from the get-go. Uh, yeah. right. Right. So, yeah. yes, okay. that was yeah. definitely against okay. the rules. Fine. And also there was a stain on the couch. There was like candle wax on the stairs. I mean, yeah, I was getting right, anxiety yeah. and I'm not yeah. even the architect. Of course you were. Yeah, so, of course you were. Yeah. <laughs> so there's bits where like both the lead actresses have to do a dance. I was like, I'm not sure. I thought that was a little bit like I, just, I find quite dancing, dance scenes. Oh, yeah, it. exactly. Quite, it. It's a pep. Is is yeah, I hate it as well. Up. Exactly. No, that's my comedy today. I can't do it. Do people do that? Just I'm just, just saying. Do either of you, when you're alone at home, no. do you randomly dance no, around right. the house? There's no one. No. no one the fuck does no. that. Exactly. Only my interpretive dance to the succession theme song. Right. Fair enough. Which is very contained. Right. Fair enough. And Fair I, of enough. course, dance to the Witcher music. But other than that, yeah. So I thought that was a misstep. I thought like the dancing moments, and there's like two of them in one fucking episode. I was like, no, I don't need. I don't need that. But apart from that, that was a rare mistake. I, I kind of went along with it, and I am intrigued as because there seems to be a very obvious thing that's happening. So basically, Ben Hardy's like leaves still leaving flowers for his late, we assume, um, partner or no, and 
you know, you would think, well, and somehow like David Yellow's character must be involved and you think, I'm, but I'm assuming there are twists and turns in the yes. next well, three episodes. One would hope. One would hope. Yeah. So I'm kind of, uh, so I am gripped I'm, and I will carry on watching it. And I thought that, I, I think the, I thought the casting was really interesting and I think, um, and I kind of believe them all so far. Even Ben, oh, even yeah. Ben Hardy, who, by the way, if you haven't seen, even, even forgetting EastEnders, have you seen The Voyeurs? Yes! With, yes! I fucking the love Amazon the Prime Voyeurs, film, man. The Voyeurs. If anyone's seen it, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> it's which is, bat yeah, shit. it's batshit. It's like an <laughs> 80s 90s erotic thriller oh I loved but, it yeah I absolutely loved it so um, so uh, yeah pro Ben Hardy definitely because yes. he has to kind of do all kinds of stuff in that film yes um, so yeah I, I'm I, um, I'm, I'm, so, I'm all it's do, it's just gripped me so I'm kind of I have to carry on watching it so that's it's passing that test I guess yeah it's worth it's, it's got a real like Hitchcockian thread yeah. for it as well isn't it so what I've missed out saying is that Jane and Emma the two women look extraordinarily extraordinarily yes. similar so it's Vertigo meets Alex Garland's um, yeah. oh it's Alex Garland <laughs> yeah. Yeah. minus the robots there aren't any robots <laughs> there are no well, robots yet. well I was going to say the house is kind of self aware isn't it yeah that's so, true uh, yeah. maybe there are robots I loved this I oh, really really loved wow. it because I found it fascinating like I because I had no fucking clue where this was going like absolutely none she's got a bracelet that gets her into the house the house is tracking her movements how hard she actually has to shower so it's like they don't pay in money they pay in like data capture which is obviously quite topical and interesting but mm. um, but just seeing it and also you've got three distinct people each dealing with like an unbelievable bearable weight of internalized trauma and it's like that I, i'm with you beth I, I i didn't see that coming and it was quite it was quite a lot to carry like yeah. i was like this is not happy but something about it was compelling like and like, weirdly it reminded me of sliver do you remember the 90s yeah, erotic yeah. thriller sliver it, 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 just because you know it's that idea that he there's this home that he's mm. created and he's watching the people and there's a voyeuristic kind of like sociopathy to it mm. and you just think there's something deeply deeply wrong with david o yellow's character but you're still really sympathetic towards him and i think the lunch that he has with gugu where they sort of like they're talking and they're kind of bearing their souls about stuff i, was like, I thought that was brilliant character work I thought it was really well acted on both of their parts but just the, the sort of psychological layers being pulled back on those two people mm. and watching them sort of bond through shared trauma I thought was was a really lovely scene but yeah I, I, more than anything else I got to the end of this I was like I have to watch this because I just need to know where on earth this is going yeah, because same, I yeah. just have no clue yeah. and I'm fascinated by it yeah I agree so yeah. I thought it was I thought it was really good and uh, you know set design wise I mean, the house is amazing. Mm. I would not fucking live there if you paid oh me. Oh my god! No. 100% no. Yeah. You know, rules or no. I really need to know if it's a real house or a um or a set. Oh, yeah, it I feels think, like a set, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess so. The exterior, I think I know. Where, I think the exterior is right near here. Oh really? Oh, it's I mean, in Camden. Yeah. I think. It, I, I think it's like just, you know, um, uh, what's it called? That anyway. Yeah, it's, it's kind of near the pub. You know, the posh pub where we have lunch. Oh, it's in Primrose Hill. Yeah, I think it's Primrose Hill. Hill. It, it has I a think, Primrose Hilly vibe yeah. to it. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's definitely not the all you can eat for eight pounds eighty in Camden. No, I think it's Primrose Hill. Exterior, but I may be wrong. I may yeah. Be wrong. Okay. Okay. But yeah. But uh, I want to see the like making it. of. I do want to see yeah. like the set, what yeah. the, the interiors, because yeah. it's very, it is very, very well done. It's meticulously, um, you know, kind of does look absolutely exactly what that architect would do. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting clever. this is that it has a lot of the beats of a sort of classic haunted house type thing, but yeah. without a haunted house to it. So I don't believe for a second there's a supernatural element to no, this, no, but no. it has a lot of that sort of like grammar to it, yeah. which I really appreciated. So yeah, I thought it was it was a lot of fun. The Girl Before airs on... Sunday. On, Sunday, boy. the wherever it is of December at nine o'clock. Sunday, the whatever <laughs> it is of December <laughs> at nine o'clock. There you go, you heard it here first. <laughs> right, finally this week... 
Last but definitely not least, uh, he should have been with us in fact last Christmas, uh, but shooting was derailed by COVID, so we've had to wait two years since last we hung out with Geralt of Rivia, Yennefer of Vengerberg, and Princess Cirilla of Sintra. Yes, it is The Witcher Season 2. Uh, it's been 24 months since the unassailable banger toss a coin to your Witcher came in as a shock, Christmas number one. Uh, Geralt returns this week, though, having finally met up with Ciri, but can he keep her safe from the Nilfgaardian armies? Will army still be wearing armor that looks like a scrotum has yennefer survived the battle of sodden hill boydie you reviewed this for empire in a criminal turn of events uh that saw me disqualified <laughs> due to some kind of bias or conflict of interest but tell me tell me Boyd, is this the worst witch uh or the best witcher <laughs> and what what an intro but have you read my review in empire no because oh. the embargo hasn't lifted so i haven't put it up on the website yet and i've not gone and got it off the um, no i need server. you to read it because i might have made some mistakes and oh, i thought you yeah. almost certainly have yeah. yeah so i wanted you to read it anyway just to check that i hadn't yeah, no one it. sent it to me but they oh, really should fucking do. hell they really should do yeah <laughs> well, we've so, got the press now so you're fucked if it's oh, God, a problem with it fucking hell i bet they've made some massive faux pas because not only i don't know why i really regret um agreeing to review it because yeah. it meant i had to remind myself of what happened in season yeah. one which is quite extensive process then i had to and there's like new characters and there's like oh i had to like get you know remember all, all the old characters yeah. you know I've, I've expressed before that i don't have that that yes that brain that you've got the, the world esque brain <laughs> that enables me to remember all the different tendrils of the characters it's quite simple really though because you've basically got the main witcher this young woman who he's kind of becomes her mentor father siri. figure mm. siri yeah and this other woman who's his ex-lover who's wandering around in her own she's got her own stuff to deal with and she's kind yeah. of like escaping from this world with her mates and you know all the other supporting characters slowly come back from season one um but they may delay so there's a couple of, so various things i thought were interesting there's a there's um they, they kind of delay the return of various characters quite for quite a while yep. in season which i thought was interesting quite clever in a way because mm. it meant it gave this is a bit of a different vibe and I remember feeling infuriated when I'm watching season one by the fucking time jumps and location oh jumps it's, and it's Dunkirk the... isn't it it's Dunkirk it's three oh. timelines of different lengths playing out concurrently yeah but it was fucking confusing yeah I hate um, it well this is totally simplified now it's yeah. very it's, this is much more um, I mean it's almost completely chronological mm. um, I mean it's cutting between intercutting between various locations and characters but but you know just catching you up on all of this it's much easier to it's follow. much easier mm. to follow um, and I think like I, I and I do, and I do enjoy the basic interrelationships. I think he's good. I think he's, you know, I think he was really monosyllabic. The character in in, in season was. one, he's slightly less monosyllabic now. Yeah, that's he's by a, design. Right, he's a bit chattier, and um, I thought that was good. Um, and I think I like the kind of royals, the kings, the duo of the kings who arrive in maybe episode three or four or whatever. They're really funny. They take that kind of bickering and having a good time. And I like. So I, I kind of like. It does. One of my big issues with all of the fantasy things that are trying to be Game of Thrones. Um, and by the way, I re had to try really hard just to not bang on about Game of Thrones constantly in my review because I think most normal people I mean people who aren't obsessive fantasy types like you would pro are probably just thinking you know the Game of Thrones crossed over didn't it like that what, you know the phenomenon that, that it became yeah. I think was because it was so gripping and entertaining and funny and thrilling and it almost like the fantasy element which is really just the dragons and the white walkers or whatever it's like a cut it kind of it, it doesn't feel like and the whole thing is about that so I think yeah, no. it got Millions and millions of fans worldwide, I think almost in spite of the fantasy element, if I dare I say. No, I agree. Whereas mm. all the other attempts to be, to capture that 
that kind of sweet spot have are really much more full on fantasy for me, including this. But I think this is probably the best of the bunch of. Uh, so I do see, like in my mind, my whole thing, the whole way I'm watching it, just as you know, and I'm not saying it's the right way. Just to, to be honest, is oh, these are all Game of Thrones wannabes, which is which are the ones that I'm going to bother with, and this is the one that feels most entertaining. It's uh, it, when it's trying to be funny, it achieves it some of the time. I thought the kind of rollicking Witcher, his Witcher mates in the big castle, mm. which he goes back to with Kim Bodnia as the Care more and- I thought they were fucking ridiculous. I thought their attempts <laughs> to be funny were embarrassing, excruciating. And they have like, they bring on some wenches, some like, you know, prostitutes. I thought that was all like, with some gratuitous boobage going on, which yeah. is a con- this, I, But this series is very, very, very right. light on boobage. It is like, it's very mm. light on boobage. As it's opposed very, to season one. Correct. Yeah. It's mm. very light on sex, but there's still a bit of gratuitous boobage in the first couple of episodes where, they, where they're just carousing with these women. Yeah. So all of that I could have done without. I thought that, and often sinks into cliche and, you know, just the kind of tropes you get in all of these shows. And funnily enough, in that, the, the one we reviewed recently, The Time One, there were so many little <laughs> scenes time, that were yes. similar. In Wheel of Time, there's carousing blokes in the in the local booze, you know. They didn't have Netflix in Fancy Time, so carousing right. was a lot of Clearly, what they had to do. you have to carouse. I mean, there's carousing all the way through Game of Thrones as well, let's face it. So... On one of there's a lot of cliche stuff, but generally I, I I like the tone of it, and I think it it, it successfully ne- negotiates being funny sometimes, not taking itself too seriously, and then taking itself seriously when it needs to. But my favourite thing about the whole fucking series is the horror elements of it. I mm. think the its strength is when it's got these monsters mm. that he mostly has to fight, or that he is being attacked by, or him, you know, who, the other characters are being attacked by. And I think it, it's 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 tapping into horror quite really well, really successfully. Yeah. And I think it does those big set piece monster fights and um, you know, with all kinds of these big tree monsters and there's like a kind of like a insane woman monster in the first episode <laughs> with a like screeching she's mouth. She's, she's scary, right? Yeah. Brooks oh, yeah. right. Boyd, a Brooks. Whatever. Yeah. So I, you know, and I'm a huge horror fan, so I, I every time those things, those scenes came along, I was really pleased. Yeah. That, and I thought they do those really well. And they're much better, again, than all of the pretenders to the Game of Thrones crown. Those attempts to do, I, I, some of them are absolutely terrible. Wheel of Time, again, I go back to. <laughs> um, so that's my favourite thing about the show. And I could have done with more of that. Like, mm. I, I feel like its real strength is when it goes full on genre horror monster movie yeah. you know because some of those they're just weird and perverse and creepy they're kind of weird like hybrids of all different mm. kinds of things like the trees a hybrid of a human and all that and I loved all that because it's just a bit weird and freaky yeah. so when it, when it gets freaky I really enjoyed it it's 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 less thrilling to me when it's all like magic and these the you know magical kind of um uh potions and thoughts of like you know what's what the fates of all the different different characters yeah. that you're fated to be this person and you're fated to do that all of that is is very routine to me fancy but yeah the kind of proper thrilling horror monster movie elements so i thought were really good and that's what makes it for me my favorite of all of the things that aren't game of thrones well i think it's the subgenre <laughs> kind of appeals to you like wheel of time yeah. is high fantasy yeah game of thrones is kind of dynastic medieval fantasy <laughs> but this is dark fantasy and it is in, right. in as a, as a you've book james as well. explained it yeah, yeah. Fully. it's There's dark me fantasy yeah. pathetically <laughs> trying to sum it all up and all it is is dark fantasy, it's dark fantasy. fantasy. with <laughs> fucking monsters though. yes yes exactly that beth now you've recently been converted to the way of the witcher because yes. you, you stormed through season one in advance of the premiere. Uh, what is your take? Uh, well, so I have only seen the first episode. Uh, shed much of the same frustrations with the first season as Boy did, but didn't, as I said, it just reinvigorated or, or forced me to kind of readjust my assessment of Henry Cavill, who I've not really had any sort of relationship with until this. Um, 
And what I like about it and what I liked about seeing in this first episode is that very, I, I'm the same as you, I, I could just do without the politics in the mythical world that I know you thrive on. <laughs> but for me, it just gets in the way of the stuff that I really like. And I really, what I really like about this, I see a lot of the same sort of formula and storytelling as I do with The Mandalorian in the in the episodes where it's dedicated towards a task. So there's an under, underlying relationship with... I'm not even going to try and say the names, but with the Witcher and 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 his and his um, betrothed by destiny or whatever the fuck. Yennefer of Vengeance. Yeah, no, not even that one. The other one. He's, he's bound to by destiny, but I don't know. Um, Blonde Leon. I don't know, but he's he's got this kind of underlying relationship which is developing with her as as a, it's like baby odor and mandalorian to be very reductive and then what they have is a task and they go and they do the task together and there's some sort of monster there's some sort of genre element to it and they go and they they defeat the monster and then they go on to the next bit and that for me works well that works really well for me and what they've done really well in the new season of The Witcher is the creature design for me, which mm, which yeah. lends to the horror. Creature design, they, right. it feels like they really have just chucked more money at this and they've used it really well to create. And this is someone, I liked the creature design more than both of you for Will of Time, but mm. there's something here where... Trollocs. <laughs> Trollocs, yeah. They're better than the Trollocs. Trollocs. But, but I like this brood or whatever her fucking name was. She was great. Um, and the kind of mannerisms <laughs> of her was really interesting. The the hairy big ginger wolf man, he was really great as well. Like, but, but, but really believe it. Just, just humour me. Uh, really... It's a lot like Ex Machina, I found. But, you know. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> You're the only one who does know what these things are called by the way so yeah we should be laughing at you it's true but I like that I like that very simple task that he has and it allows for their personalities to come through through their styles of how they deal with these obstacles that they essentially have to go through together and you learn more about them through the task than through their lineage or their destiny you know where they've come from where they're going in that moment I think that's really interesting and I I actually really enjoy that a lot more so I mean I'll keep watching it and and obviously want to see more we didn't see very much of Yennefer in the, the first one and if there's less boobage in this thank god um, but I'm, I'm obviously excited to see where she's going to go your bard wasn't in this and I'm I'm sorry I hate the bard <laughs> Yaskia who hates Yaskia spoiler do. alert the bard will be back. don't you worry about yeah, that yeah no I know I know I just there's there's only one Paul Bettany from A Night's Tale and it's Paul Bettany from A Night's Tale this is this is piss poor Paul Bettany from oh, The Night's Tale. Wow. Fighting talk. Wow. That is but... fighting talk. Full on. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what I like the most about it. That's what I saw in this episode and that's what that's what I'm taking away so far. So that's what I like. Even if you don't know your Kiki Moras from the Urchin of Erlenwald. you're I uh, don't. Yeah, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, I mean, actually, weirdly enough, having seen the first episode, you've kind of missed out. So the first season is a combination of two compendiums of short stories, The Last Wish and The Sword of Destiny. Uh, and so essentially what they did was they created a corkboard of all the individual stories. And they're kind of like twisted fairy tales that takes on Slavic folklore or classic ones. The first one here is a take on Beauty and the Beast, as you may have kind of picked up on. Yeah. But each one of those, so they, they constructed a through line of this, but using all these short stories to punctuate it. Now, season two starts with, the first episode of season two, which is kind of like to get you into it, is another short story. Mm. And then after that, it goes into The Blood of Elves, which is the first of the novels in The Witcher Saga. Right. So basically you get one episode, which is like almost like a standalone thing, although it's not because they're still doing something in it. And then it becomes the arc, which is the arc of this season, which is based broadly on... Uh, the Blood of Elves, although there's more to it than that, but for that you'll have to listen to my spoiler special interview with Lauren Schmidt-Hisrich. But 
the, the thing with this is like it does feel like it's more propulsive. Like we're going somewhere with this. The first season was all about getting these three, three characters together. It was Yennefer, it was Siri, it was Geralt. It's bringing them all together, working it out. There's separate timelines. There is a very funny riff on the timeline thing in this season. I can't give anything away, but it's very, very good. I should point out that as possibly the only journalist who has seen all eight episodes of the entire season, I of course know everything about this. Um, but I, I mean, obviously, it should be obviously. a shock to absolutely no one that I think this is brilliant. Uh, but I really do think this is brilliant. I do love it. I love the tone. I like the dark fantasy. I like that it kind of leans into that grim, dark world. But also, crucially, unlike Wheel of Time, Witcher is always in on the joke in that mm. it knows it's absurd and it takes its absurdity seriously, but it also winks a little bit at the camera like they know, they they yeah. 100% know, and they're happy to embrace that fact. And I think that really helps because this is not law light, like it is law heavy. There's there's monoliths, there's conjunction oh God, yeah. of the spheres, and like and there's the you know, there's all sorts of stuff that I clearly can't mention because it's spoilers, but it's just like people go, What the fuck is that? But you know, this is why you need a character like Yaskia to kind of like explain that stuff. Um, but I like I like the fact that they've given Yaskia and Yennefer and stuff things to do that maybe they didn't in the novel. Like everyone right. feels like they have their own narrative this time around. And I think some of the minor characters don't have narratives just as satellites of Geralt this time as well. Like they have their own individual storylines that they carry on and their own character development. Yeah. So I think that's richer as well. A richer witcher, if you will. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think it's. I think there's there's some there's some great gags. There's genuinely brilliant one-liners in this. There's some properly good comedy, which I love about this as well. Yeah. I will not say there is a banger quite on the same level as Toss a Coin, but there are some good songs in this too. Um, <laughs> well, there are some songs. There are. Hey, <laughs> hey, boys. Hey, be nice. Yeah. Um, I really like the, the you know the owl looking in on that that dude who's yes, that character. The owl. Mm. That guy with kind of kind of takes his clothes off for no reason whatsoever in in in, in one scene. I thought he was really good, and the owl. I yeah. can't remember those. Yeah. <laughs> Boy's just like, oh, you know, Graham McTavish. Graham McTavish, yeah, yeah him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, which was quite Game of Thrones y in a good way. Yeah. Um Kim Bodney's character, that's a waste though, isn't it? I mean, oh, he's just nothing. I think he's great. Really? No, but he's a really important character. He plays Vesemir, who's like uh, Geralt's father figure. He's the guy who raised him. Yeah, but um he's just a nice guy. It's just like I didn't <laughs> well, no, but the, no, there's more to well, of course, if you'd seen Boy, the Netflix animated <laughs> prequel <laughs> movie to which you would know that Vesemir, you know, while he may have raised Geralt, there was a lot of locking him in stone rooms and you know oh, okay. uh, and the Battle of Kaer so you know a lot more about that you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to watch those things to appreciate <gasps> you what don't have to Beth it simply God enriches sake. the experience <laughs> it is just enriching you know reduce the opacity if you will of those and you're still absolutely reduce fine you know it's a session when they check the temperature yeah. just checking the temperature just to reduce the opacity yeah, yeah reduce the yeah. opacity of that Jesus. no it's 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 glorious I do I do like the show a lot and you're absolutely right like uh, Geralt does have more to say in this time this was by mm. uh, Henry Cavill kind of wanted that because you get a lot of mm. uh, of Geralt's internal monologue in the books which never uh, didn't come right. out in season one right. he just comes across as someone who grunts a lot yeah. so you get he's much more loquacious in, yes. in season two and I enjoy like his role as a father because he's with Siri a lot of the time which is which is lovely Freya Allen who plays Siri mm. um, and, and you get to see more of kind of his role there and how she fits into the Witcher world and also what it takes to become a Witcher and you know how few Witchers there are left which again is addressed in the Mayanna Buring's good as well it's good I think the cast is good I think it is it is a good cast and um, look you've got to you've got to respect any show that has a character called Vilga Forts of Rogavine <laughs> I mean come on yeah, that's that, basically that's what you like about it most <laughs> it I like Sean bit. Dooley as the incestuous <laughs> king you like that that name <laughs> I do there, there, I mean there are some 
genuinely shocking moments in this, which clearly I can't talk about, even though I've clearly seen them because I've seen the whole show. Did I mention that I've seen every episode? Because I have seen every episode. Um, look, it's great. Toss a coin to Netflix and all that because it's The Witcher. It's more of The Witcher. We've waited two years for it. For the love of God, just watch it. Uh, it's great. Uh, and 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 I love it. <laughs> the Witcher drops right. on the 17th, on Friday the 17th uh, on Netflix. And you can watch it then. What else is out this week? Um, not a lot, not I don't a lot. think, I, is I it? Think, I'm, I think, 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 huh? Yeah, Slim, it's, I don't think there isn't even hardly anything. There's a good documentary that David Baddiel's done on the internet on Monday. Um, David Baddiel, Social Media, Anger and Us. That's good. Um, I don't think there's any particular... Oh, Selling Tampa, which is the the new spin-off of Selling Sunset, <laughs> arrives on Netflix on Wednesday. James will be thrilled about that. <laughs> it's, I can exclusively reveal that Sarah Phelps, who I interviewed for this podcast, which, which will air um, in, in a future episode, likes Selling Sunset. That was one of the bombshell moments nice. in that interview. Um, and uh, yes, but I don't think there's any big show that, that is out. this Because we're in the build-up to Christmas. Everything yeah, starts. Like nothing came out week this week. But yeah, that's fine, because everything was running yeah. scared from the Witcher. So, exactly. you know, yeah, you're right. right. Essentially, <laughs> that's that's the solu- that's yeah. what's happening. That is what's happened. Okay. Pick of the week, The Witcher. So, uh, <laughs> oh sorry, sorry. So, what would your picks of the week be then? <sighs> mine would be sure. just like that. Oh, good God. Do you know what? I think mine is as well. What yeah. is wrong yeah. with you? Yeah. Hang on. So, you would pick and just like that over the girl before? <laughs> um, and The Witcher, which you gave four stars to? I, I there's something about I, I'm kind you of liked it more than I did. Yeah, so. I'm kind of because you haven't seen the second episode. I, the second episode is really That's good. when the story kicks in. Yes, yeah, of, no. Of, oh, um, what are you I'm, talking about? Of, and just like that. <laughs> oh right, I just assume we're no, still talking about no. The Witcher. That's right. why it's my pick of the week because the second episode. <laughs> yeah, I, an episode I, I, I will never see. I think they've done a good job. So yeah, I mean, but I did like I, I liked all three or four stars. Yes, I too Lovely. enjoyed the two good shows this week and also watched <laughs> and just like that. But The Witcher is of course my pick of the week. Uh, no huge surprises there, but that is it for this week's show that is it for this Pilot TV podcast if you've yet to leave us a review then please do so immediately and if you've yet to follow us on Twitter or indeed Instagram then please do that too at James C. Dyer at Boyd Hilton and at Beth K. Webb next week will be the last regular Pilot TV of the year uh, if you don't obviously count our review of the year special which we will drop between Christmas and New Year um, with a little luck next week we'll be taking a look at some of the Christmas specials coming away does that sound about right Boyd? Uh, yes, there are a lot of exciting things mm. coming up. Dramas, they're not necessarily Christmas specials. There's a lot of quite exciting things that are airing around Christmas. So not Christmas specials at all. So the opposite <laughs> of what I just said is what you're well, saying. Well, it's a mix. It's only going to be a mix. We haven't decided what we're doing. That's yet. true. So we haven't. There yeah. are things like so. So Clarice is dropping on Alibi yeah. at Christmas. There's Emily in Paris, although I've still not seen season one, so maybe we won't do there's, that. There's Around the World in 80 Days. Yeah. With David Tennant. There's Sarah Phelps. Is a very British scandal. So it, it's it, the question is, what do <laughs> yes. we? We may or may not do Christmas special. Any it's and all of these. Which of those we yes. decide to yeah. do? Yes. yes. Up on Thursday yes. morning, five minutes before the news. Yeah. When I maybe telling before we do the doing yeah. something with fantasy in it. <laughs> Indeed. Look forward to that. And until then, pilot out. Hold up. 